How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Kyle Rally Racing Podcast. Uh, today is episode one. Welcome. Uh, we're bringing back the vibes we had from our 2020 show, hopefully. Hopefully this time without also bringing a pandemic along the way. Um, but for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm Kyle Riley. Uh, we'll be joined by a multitude of people throughout the year. Um, with episode one today, we're going to be starting with my friend Mike Fallon, who I'm sure most of you know from the Racing Observers podcast. Uh, also, better known for his YouTube channel, Twisted Toe, where he'll upload a lot of videos about like racing reactions, video game videos, the list goes on and on and on. Um, chances are, if you're listening to this, you already know who he is. But anyways, uh, Mike is a good friend of mine. We go back, I don't know, 10 years at this point um, from sim racing days and just so on. Um, he knows a lot about the sport. He has a lot of interesting things to say. Um, he's a big Ryan Blaney fan. Before that, he was an even bigger Clint Boyer and Michael Waltrip fan. Um, so you just know his 2007 was really, really good. Um, but anyways, uh, we had a conversation regarding all of the 2024 Cup Series teams. Uh, there's even some speculative ones on there, like potentially 2311 bringing out their 67 car for Daytona, which at this point probably isn't super likely. But half the fun is just, you know, making predictions that may or may not pan out, right? I'm sure half this conversation will age terribly no matter what, so might as well have some fun along the way. So anyways, here's the conversation we had. Hope everybody enjoys. All right. I'm here with my friend Mike, Twisted Toe on YouTube. Some of you may know him. Honestly... If you're listening to this, you probably already know him. It's probably why you're here. But just in case somebody's watching this in like 2085 or some shit, uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, if you want to listen to some couple of bros screaming at the race cars, come check it out. And you know me. I like to be loud. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the Cup Series. We're going to be talking about a lot of our drivers that are going to be on the ro- uh, not roster. That's a bad way to word it. A lot of drivers that are going to be racing hopefully most of the weeks. Um, there are some part-timers on here. We included uh, some one-offs, even. Uh, we'll talk to the, about them, I guess, in a little bit. Uh, but until then, we're going to go over these one by one. They are going to be in chronological order, as far as like numbers are concerned. So we'll start with Ross, and we'll end with Suarez. And there are going to be some kind of guesses in here. There are people on this list that may or may not enter Daytona. You know, There are some teams that we may never see again. But if I think there's any chance of them showing up, I put them on the list. Obviously, I took into account all the other stuff we already know, like, you know, announced news, things that aren't announced, but, like, everybody knows. Those kind of things are all uh, accounted for. We're going to talk about everybody's season, unless we assume they're just doing Daytona, in which case we'll only talk about Daytona. Or if it's any other part-timer, we'll talk about the races we expect them to race. Just disclaimer, I didn't include anybody who is going to be part-time that has no intentions of attempting Daytona. If it's somebody that's exclusively racing, like, Indianapolis later this year... We're recording this in January. I have no idea who's going to be there. I don't think anybody has any idea who's going to be there. So therefore, we're just going to skip those and pretend like they don't exist. And we'll talk about that later on when it's more relevant. Um, So we'll start off with number one himself, Ross Chastain. What do you think, Mike? I think it's going to have a a year that's in between the last two. It's it's not going to be as good as 22, but it's going to be better than 23. I I do think he's going to get into more shitstorms. That's going to come back. That's... That's calmed down too much. But don't you feel like those go hand in hand together? Because if you really think about it, the moment he stopped his antics was exactly when that entire team went into their slump this summer. And yeah, it could be. People are saying that. I don't believe it. But I do think that there are a lot of people that account for his lack of success last year. If you want to call it that, realistically, it wasn't that bad of a year. He got a win. Actually got two wins. Um, And maybe if the playoffs shake out a little differently, he ends up at least in the final eight. But... Actually, was he in the final eight? I probably should have done some uh, research before we actually started this. But 
nonetheless, compared to 22, 22, he was like the main character, kind of what you were saying. But it's also hard to say, like, oh, he did worse next year because he stopped driving as aggressive. I don't think he stopped driving as aggressive. He just stopped doing all the blatantly dumb stuff people complained about, you know? Like, Denny Hamlin was his arch rival for the whole year. And aside from The Clash and then Phoenix, which was Denny's fault, I don't really think they had any run-ins. I think they've been kind of just chilling. Obviously, the Larson thing happened in 2023. But I think he'll bounce back. I think he's going to probably be a championship contender. Um, He's got a brand-new sponsor with Bush. And then, honestly, this is a good time to be Trackhouse. They're expanding. They just brought an SVG. Um, they're expanding into other series. Uh, the business as a whole is doing amazing. The fact we have a team owned by Pitbull is still kind of lost on me. I feel like a lot yeah. of people take that for granted. It's really, really cool. And it's I think a new he, era of NASCAR, that's for sure. Yeah, who would have thought? Michael Jordan, Pitbull, <laughs> Lloyd Money Mayweather owned a team that showed up like twice. That's crazy, you know? Next up, we got Austin Sindrick in the two car. I think you summed it up, but what do you think there? It's going to be another year of, yeah, he's there. There might not be another driver. Actually, now that I think about it, there are two drivers that kind of just take rides and exist. And they both share a name, and we're about to talk about the other one real soon. But, but I feel like Sindrick, I don't know, he just seems like a guy who would have peaked in his first race as a full-time driver, right? And I know he won the 500. It's super easy to say that and make that assumption right now. Yeah, by walling the 12, but go on. I mean, it's the end of the 500. 12 almost killed somebody for a 500. I don't want to hear it. Like, We're going to come back to that in a minute, but go on. Yeah, but I feel like Cindric, he seems like he should be better at this point, right? Like, maybe not on intermediates. Maybe not on short tracks, because, like, well, maybe short tracks. But a lot of the NASCAR schedule that's a little less road dominant, he kind of took a little while to get used to. And Xfinity, I don't know if you remember 2018, but I do. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, remember, he couldn't drive a car for a year. That, there has not been a single team, like, you know, funded, like, successful team that has done worse. Done less with more. Let's put it that way. Because, man, both of those guys went on to win cup races, except for Majeski, I guess. But still, he was almost a champion in the truck series. It's not like any of these guys are bad at driving race cars. But man, was that a disaster. And somehow, he's more known for just being mid in the Cup Series now. Like, he's been so mid that it's completely erased how awful 2018 went. Do you know how bad it is to fall up like, or fall, yeah, yeah, he did fall up like that. Next up, we got our pal, Austin Dillon, who I think you have a lot to say. (laughs) What are your thoughts? He's related to Richard Childress. He's he's a good boy. But uh, yeah, he's, he's there. He's, he's there keeping 23rd nice and warm. When I think about Austin, Dylan, that is, I specifically think always about that Chicago moment where he like was battling for the win and just barely clipped the wall and ruined everything. I feel like that summarizes everything he's done in that car. I feel like that summarizes his run. Not to be a hater, you know, because he seems like okay enough guy. He might have had a cringe reality show. That doesn't negate, you know, the other things people do in life. But at the same time, He's been there for a decade. Actually, yeah, this makes 10 years this year. 11th year, I guess, technically, because 2014 was his first year. But he's been around long enough to have done something. you know. And I, I realize, yeah, he has some marquee wins. He's won a 500. He's won a Coke 600. This is a man who's made the playoffs at least twice. I forget. It might be three, four times. He's been in there a couple times. But you're in... Field's in it. That's not hard, but... Yeah, Paul Menard was in RCR in the playoffs. I don't want to hear it. Um, he should be competing for a little bit more race winnings. He should be potentially getting to the final 12 every year. I mean, just look at everybody else who's driven the A car. Besides Hemrick, like, you know, Reddick did a lot with that car. Wasn't going to win a championship, very clearly. But, you know, won races, competed up front. 
take a look at Kyle Busch. Granted, you know, that's a high bar because Kyle Busch is one of the best we've ever seen in our lifetime. But you're not even in the ballpark, pal. The only person you stood up to was <laughs> the guy that can't cut it in any series, who we'll talk about next week. But matter of fact, actually, I forgot. He's in cup again for some reason. We're going to talk about him later. But point is, if that's the only teammate you have that you're kind of like on par with, because think about it. Um, granted, they weren't teammates at the same time in Cup, but Harvick waxes the floor with him completely, right? Yeah. Obviously, we talked about Kyle Busch. We talked about Tyler Reddick. Daniel Hemrick is his own thing. That's He's just kind of in purgatory. I don't even know what you want to consider that. Ryan Newman cooked him almost every year. 2014, he almost won the title, which, like, okay, that's Austin's rookie year. We can't be too harsh. But, like... Every year, he's just been the same. I think you cut it, or called it completely. He has been 23rd the moment his career started, and he has never once changed position. Like I want to see what he could do going back to Xfinity full-time, honestly. That might not be a bad idea, especially if, like, for some reason, Richard Childress Racing gets, like, sold. Because if it's not RC running that team, there's no shot Austin Dillon's sticking around. He might have some funding. But probably not enough funding to, you know, have a top ride with the performance he has. Maybe I'm wrong. And he is an Xfinity champion, and he is a truck champion. So I don't want to be too disrespectful. He's, you know, as far as, like, drivers across the board are concerned, he's good. But this is the Cup Series, and he's been in a top ride for a decade. you got to give us a little bit more than that. Next on our list, we got the four car. we got Josh Berry, new driver new, uh, to that team. A new sponsor, at least with uh, Daytona, with Sunny D. What do you think about that team? I think Josh is going to be carrying the entire team. And it's going to be a tough year for him, but it's going to be better than the four did last year. Definitely. Do you think maybe that they're going to benefit at all from having a younger driver and not somebody that might be like stuck in their ways from 2005 or six or something like that? Yeah, because Josh is learning with this car. I mean, he has less experience than Harvick, but still, you know, he's new, younger, going to be learning better. I mean, he's not too young, even at that. But he's he's going to be probably learn things a lot quicker than Harvick is. That's probably fair to say. And I feel like I saw somebody online make an argument. And they were talking about how maybe Stuart House Racing was never that good. And maybe they were just getting carried by two top-tier drivers in Tony Stewart and Kevin Harvick. And I kind of didn't believe that at all. But then I thought about it. The only people who've been successful, like really successful with that team, are guys who are either champions or will have gone on to win championships later. Like... Everybody that was really competing week in, week out for that team, they're top-level drivers. This is not a team where you can take somebody who's, you know, maybe mid-pack in Xfinity, drop them in a car, and just watch them go, you know? Look at how dominant Chase Briscoe was in Arca, in Xfinity even, at the end of his run there. And still, got the cup, he's got one win, it was at Phoenix, and I'm pretty sure he just stayed out at the end of the race, and the next gen didn't let anybody pass. Like, he probably should have won Indy Road Course, I'll give some credit where it's due. That just was a bad luck situation. But still, like, this team is not elevating people. If you're good already, you're going to do great. But if you're not at that cup championship level, I just don't think this is a ride where you're going to be successful long term. Now, let's also tie that into something else you just talked about with Josh Berry's age. Not that he's old. He's not an old man by any means, not even by NASCAR terms. But this is a guy who's entering his rookie season. I believe he's 31. I'm going to do a little bit of research here on the fly. How old is Josh Berry? He's at least in his 30s, for a fact, because he was, like, running mid-pack in Xfinity in, like, 2014. And, like, his two or three of uh, starts he'd get. I always remember Iowa. He'd be in the 88 car, and the number would always be, like, humongous on the side. I don't know if anybody else remembers that. 
That's a really niche, like, oh, only I would think about that thing. But I just remember that car looked hideous, and he'd always be, like, 18th. And he also is 33, by the way. So yeah, he's, he's getting up there. Not that, that Like, he still has, a, hopefully, a long career ahead of him. But I just don't know if he's going to change the tide that team had. When you have somebody like Harvick, and, he, and granted, end of his career, right? So maybe he's not performing at, like, his own standards. But still, I just don't think Josh Berry's the guy. My kind of opinion on Stuart Haas as a whole is not very positive. I don't think it is for anybody. Um, I think their Xfinity program has a lot of pr- uh, promise right now. But Cup, on the other hand, is just a wasteland. It feels like where people are just going to bide their time until another ride comes along. I feel like Tony stopped caring about the Cup team. That's very possible. I've seen a lot of people talking about that kind of stuff. And obviously, he's racing NHRA full-time this year. And even before then, he was kind of just off doing side missions the whole time. Like, totally. I completely get it. And then Gene Haas is probably more focused on running, you know, the F1 team and so on. So I can understand why that opinion would be commonplace. But at the same time, like, I don't think they're just phoning it in. They have too many high te- uh, high-tier sponsors. They have a four-car team still. You're not going to sink that much money into something just because. Um... That being said, I feel like that almost makes it more concerning because, like, they're probably searching desperately for the answer to fix a lot of these problems, and they just haven't. But with the resurgence of teams like Roush, who knows? You know, in five years, this team could be completely different. There could be another letter in the name. You know, Stuart Haas, uh, somebody. Like, for all we know, this team might not even exist in 2026. So I guess we'll just have to see how it shakes out. Next up, we have everybody's favorite driver, Kyle Larson. Uh <laughs> I'll start with this one because I have something I want to get off my chest. This is the most overrated NASCAR driver in history. And I realize people are going to, you know, get on a high horse and start screaming at me when I say that. And I used to be a Larson fan, all right? So I don't want to hear it. This is somebody I actively rooted for at one point. But, man, you they would talk about this guy like he's Mario Andretti at the end of his career with all of those accolades, all those accomplishments. Yeah, he won one cup title. He's going to be in the Indy 500 this year, hopefully. He's going to be probably doing a bunch more dirt racing at some point. He, and he's good in all of these, right? And credit to him. He's a very, very, very good driver. He's one of the best we have now. But people talk about this man like he's better than Dale Sr., Richard Petty, and Jeff Gordon combined. And that seems insane to me. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, he's faster than anything he gets in. But even, even with him, his success is completely determined by if it's a Hendrick year or not every year. And even then, sometimes he underwhelms versus his teammates. Like, obviously, Alex Bowman exists, and we'll talk about him later. So I don't want to pile on now. But we're going to take him completely out of the equation, because that's barely a Hendrick team at this point. But <laughs> moving on, like, the 9 car. Even even this year, the 9 car probably did a little better than he did. And Chase Elliott, like, got suspended, broke his bones. Like, all of these, like, terrible things happened to him. And somehow he still felt, like, the better of the two this year to me. And... You know, maybe that's just a little bit of, like, recency bias because towards the end of the year he wasn't as, you know... Well, he didn't seem as impressive to me, at least. But, I don't know. He, he They talk about this guy like he should be winning 12 races a year, like he should always be in the Final Four. And he's on the best team, or at worst, if you want to be controversial, the second best team. But, I don't know. I just... I, I wish I saw what everybody else sees. I see the potential, and I see the consistency across motorsports. What I don't see is... This, like, world beater. This guy that's going to get in any car and just dominate, you know? You put him in, like... We were just talking about the Stuart Haas cars. You put him in a Stuart Haas car, he's winning two times a year tops, right? And in those other 34 races, he'll probably be, like, 11th, 12th. You know, which, you know, nothing to complain about. That's a really good year, especially for Stuart Haas now. But, like, I just want more. You know, you could take Jeff Gordon and put him in a spot. Prime Jeff Gordon. Take him right out of, like, 1998. Whatever year you want. Put him in that car. 
It's probably running a little better than it is now. And that's a guy that hasn't even driven the next gen. Kyle Larson's been driving the next gen since 2022. So I want to see a little bit of improvement this year. I feel like last year and 2022 were kind of a humongous step back. And, you know, a lot of that's probably just tied into, oh, Hendrick had that car figured out by the end. But I, it just feels like he needs to do a little bit more to me. And yeah, I agree. On the completely contrary, Brad Keselowski, I, I, he has completely believed new life into that team. Roush was good as dead. Let's just face it, right? Most of their teams fighting for sponsors, struggling at it, mind you. Not running well. They had Ricky Stenhouse for like 25 years. <laughs> he won like two Daytona races. This is a team that desperately needed some new blood. It needed some solid, you know, modern, let's say, direction. Because I, I don't work for Roush. I never have, probably never will. But I've heard a lot of things about how maybe they aren't as up-to-date as some other teams. Maybe their you know, sponsor practices aren't as current as they could be. Maybe they push some sponsors and you know other alliances away. I'm not into the nitty-gritty. I don't actually know these things, and I can't report them as facts. But I feel like it showed on track. I don't think anybody would agree that or disagree with me. 2013 like, to 2019 was a mar- or humongous decrease in performance almost every year. And yeah, there were some you know wins sprinkled in. 2014 was pretty good for Rush with at least uh, Edwards, but for the most part, this is a team that you almost saw them in the same light. You'd see Hendrick, and now they're not even in the same tier. It's kind of crazy. But Brad has really, really brought this team back to a prominent place in the sport. I feel like, and any given weekend, one of the two RFK cars can win. Um, Brad obviously hasn't gotten the victory lane for the team yet, but it feels like it's right around the corner. I hope this isn't a Jimmy situation where we're all, we're all waiting for that next one and it just never happens. But I feel like he's made some humongous strides himself. I feel like that team, I mean, obviously, that team has made a humongous amount of progress. Christopher Busher, God, Dale Jr. corrupted me. Sorry, Chris Busher finally felt like a championship contender. And honestly, until he got the cup, he always kind of felt like that guy, to me at least. In Xfinity, he felt like you know one of the top people. In Arca, that granted, low bar, but he definitely was the guy. And now that he's in Cup, I'm happy to see that success. And specifically on Brad, he's a Cup champion. I watched him win a championship. You watched him win a championship. Hopefully, the majority of people listening to this were alive when that happened. Um, but I don't know. It's just it, it really puts a smile on my face to see that team turn around. I was never a Brad fan until pretty recently but now i'm a huge supporter of him i want to see that team succeed i want to see him succeed um and hopefully they get better sponsors because the one that we assume is going to be on the car for daytona the same one as last year i can't even pronounce it it's a medication i'm sure uh but yeah, I, it, good luck figuring out what that's supposed to treat but ne- next was it we're going to do a live research a, another uh study session if you will i can't even spell it off the top of my head hold on what is it next yet. let's see I'm taking bets, though. What do you think? What do you think it is before I read it off? Don't Google it. Oh, I'm happy. Roush Fenway Kislowski race. And who is their target audience? I'd say... Golfers. High, 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 high cholesterol. High cholesterol. That is a very solid guess. Uh, in fact, arguably correct, because it does a lot of things, but that's one of the things it does. So I'll count it. Um, it's, it kind of... Honestly... This is one of those medications where you look at, like, what it solves, and it just gives you more words you have to look up. Like, and I don't think I'm a very uneducated person. You know, I've been to college. I feel like I have a pretty good vernacular. Some of these things are words I will never use in my life. Uh, I'm just going to straight up send this one to you in Messenger so you can see what I'm talking about. What on earth does this mean? Like, <laughs> there are some pretty bad ones. For the people who can't see, it is a word that starts with H and has, like, 38 vowels and letters that follow it. No, no clue. Don't know what that means, but nonetheless, um, 
This is a medicine that is obviously probably required for a prescription. You probably can't buy that over the counter. Anyway, but uh, as far as Brad, he would. I think he's gonna get the five hundred this year. Either him or the twelve. That's a hot take. I like it and respect it though. Last time I predicted the uh, six of the twelve fighting for the win, they did. They they almost fought to the death. Actually, <laughs> it was real bad. Man, Man that was. End, but without the crash. That might be the last. Oh no, that can't be because it's COVID. But that's the second to last or third to last time in sports to this day that I was like, wow. Like, that's unbelievable. Like, my whole body, mind, everything just shut down watching that. Like, I could not believe my eyes. And first of all, shout out to Ryan Newman. I'm very happy he was, you know, able to fully recover from that. But man, we should be really careful picking these cars <laughs> because we have too much power. Um, moving on, we got uh, some people would say the most underrated driver, some people would say a very overrated driver. Um, let me know where you stand in the comments, I guess. Uh, Corey LaJoy in the seven team. Um, I'll let you start on this one, Mike. How do you think the seven team's going to do? They're going to be there, and Corey's going to keep doing his thing. I don't, not, a, not a woe is me type thing, but just a, I'm a, I'm a hard-working man. Yeah, we know your daddy was tough on you, but you got to show something. He kind of is. Throwing a bad block in Atlanta and crashing is not how you do it. He kind of is, like, cut from that same, like, Zane Smith cloth. Because I remember Zane Smith when he was in Arca. Like, he, I forget what race it was. I want to say it was, like, Elko. It was one of the short tracks that the rest of the NASCAR series don't go to. But I remember he won the race, and he was like, oh, you know, I don't have any funding. I'm, you know, I need all this help. I can't believe we able to make it work. Mind you, this is a man who's come from wealth. He's probably had a pretty simple rise up to the top tier of NASCAR. And I don't want to take anything away from him because he's a great driver. But <laughs> hey, you can't pass that off and expect people to buy it. You know? Like, no, Riley Herbst isn't walking around telling everybody how, you know, hard he had it growing up. Because he didn't. Right? And I get yeah, one of... Corey LaJoy was also in a Hendrick car. And he did nothing. He did worse than his car. <laughs> like, that's the craziest thing about it is this guy, he's been in development series since, like, 2010 or something like that. I forget when he showed up in K&N. But he's been around a long time, much longer than people might think at their first thought. And granted, most of the time, very bad cars, right? If you put him in a top-tier ride, maybe he, you know, makes the, probably makes the playoffs, right? That's fair to say, I'd say. But you can put him in the best car. That man is not winning a championship. You can give him the 2021 20, Kyle Larson team. That man is winning two races, and he's going out in the round of eight. <laughs> like, that's it. Um, that being said, he still does drive for Spire which obviously lowers that even more so. I think he might eventually get that lucky win. He's been close quite a bunch, bit of times, and maybe not lucky. That's not a bad way to word it. He'll get, you know, an unlikely win, I'll say. Um, the team as a whole, Spire, I'd say, I feel like it's unquestionable. They've been on the rise. Uh, they're, you know, obviously expanding in the truck series, just bought KBM. They have three cup teams now for this year. Uh, who knows if they keep that after the track house thing ends with Zane Smith. But... What, it's going to go one of two ways, and I'm curious to see how it shakes out. They can either be expanding way too quick, kind of like Colleague did, to where like now their resources are exhausted. Corey LaJoy isn't getting any focus. Carson's not getting any focus. Zane's not getting any focus. It's totally possible it goes that way. But on the contrary, maybe this is just a sleeping giant. Maybe this team always could have been good, but they were just trying to get as much money as possible first, which was kind of the way they advertised the team. They never really lied to us. They were like, yeah, we're here to, you know recuperate all the money we spent buying these charters and who's gonna be who's gonna be the king underfunded team this year is it gonna be spire or uh rick ware 
Oh, that's that's an amazing question. You deserve props for that one because that's a that could easily go either way. I'm gonna say you have to go with Spire because I feel like they've been hanging around for a little bit longer in regards to trying to actually compete. Rick Ware Racing was just kind of there for a long time. They're, you know, I'm sure you remember very well in 20 like 19. They'd show up with like seven cars, all numbered within the fifties, and like they maybe all crash together. they'd all crash together, or like even if nobody crashed, it'd be like halfway through the race, stage two just ended, and they're they're just like thirty eighth on back. Like we don't need that. And I, to their credit, they're trying, but I, they got a long way to go. I want to see it in action to first. Be, Rick Ware just has that energy to where they're either going to be fifth through fortieth, or they're just going to be running second through sixth out of nowhere in the five hundred, hunting down the leader. I suppose we'll have to see how it shakes out. Um, we'll talk about, obviously, both the Rick Ware cars a little bit later on. Um, we're going to also talk about um, a few things with the 15 in particular because we had some interesting news drop today. But um, as far as Spire is concerned, I think that you know one of those three cars is going to run okay at least some of the time. I think Smart Money would say it's going to be Zane just because he'll probably have a little more backing from Trackhouse. I'm sure it'll be able to lean on both their drivers to kind of maybe get some pointers, adjust setups, so on. Um, maybe not, who knows, we'll have to see, but I think he's probably the most likely. I think Carson Hosovar is a very vilified person, and deservedly so. He's kind of been a menace a lot, but as far as driving ability, I don't think anybody can take that away from him. He, I mean, you give him an okay car, he's going to make the most of it. Even if you give him a bad car, I'm pretty sure you can wheel the worst car in the field to, like, 27th. But he's got to clean up his act. He's got to prove for 38 straight weeks that he can go out there and not be a head case, not run people over, not, you know... Just cause Rex because he feels like it. And, and, oh, we got to talk about one more thing. He's got to stop drawing cautions on purpose, all right? And I, this is a very personal yeah, thing for me. Forget Vegas. Forget the Talladega thing, which, mind you, if you go back and watch, that one was really insane looking. Like, it looks like an old league race where, like, somebody just parked there in practice and everybody had to avoid him. Yeah, he was doing eye racing in real life, and I couldn't believe my eyes. Yeah, and it's funny you said it that way because... As you know, the people listening don't, but I know Mike knows. Back in 2021, I was helping my friend Brian in the NASCAR eNASCAR series. I was trying to get him the Coke. Um, he did get to Coke, thankfully. Um, but in the Rhodes Pro races, every week, we'd always be in the same race as Carson Osovar. Now, first and foremost, sir, you drive a NASCAR. You don't have to be here. Why are you taking a spot? <laughs> right? you got much bigger things to do. Why do you even have the time to practice and get these setups? Next, right? he would do that. All the time. I can vividly remember there was an Atlanta race, right? And we were running terrible. So I was in a bad mood anyways, right? Not happy. But we needed a caution. I forget what strategy we were on, but it was different than the rest of the field. We needed a yellow desperately. And never happens. You know, just doesn't shake out our way. Whatever, right? We pit. I kid you not. Two laps later, Carson Hosovar, on the same strategy we were on. I guess he just had a little more fuel than us. So decides, oh, okay, well, if I can't get the caution, I'll be the caution. So he spins himself out on the front stretch, but he botches it. Goes into the grass, sits in the grass for a little while, and then he's like, all right, you know what? Nah, I'm getting my caution. Drives right out onto the track, draws the yellow, gets berated for like 20 minutes, but does not care because it's Carson Hosovar. Let's just be real. So for that, personally, I will always hate on the men given any opportunity, but... I'm not going to take away from his driving ability. This is somebody that I expect to run at least top 15 on occasion. You know, maybe he gets a few top 10s or 5s. A win doesn't seem likely, but I, I don't know. Stranger things have happened, you know? We almost had Dave Blaney win the 500 one year, so who knows? That was a fever dream. It, dude, it really was. It was like 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> like, I, I, know, I assume you did, too. I had school the next day and everything. It was a nightmare. Like, it was just bad. I don't even remember what happened the next day. 
Me either. That listen, I have two of those to get off topic real quick. I, another one for me, 2018. Uh, it was the day of the Daytona 500, so it was I guess the night of the Xfinity race. I had like such bad chest inflammation from a sickness, but I wasn't like diagnosed and I didn't have any medication or anything yet. So I was just like trying to deal with it, just get it over with, as you do sometimes with like colds and so on. Just and basically early COVID, kind of a few years early. <laughs> um, and I was thinking. And it was like it wasn't even that late. It was like nine thirty, and I was like, "I'm I'm beat. I gotta go to sleep." Could not sleep mostly just because I couldn't breathe. It was you can't you have to do both of those together. You can't do one or the other. It has to be both. So, um, just laid awake all night. Finally went to an urgent care in the morning when it opened up. But I'll never forget. I watched the entire 2018 Daytona 500 on no sleep, and then I watched Eric Almirola and Austin Dillon of all people battle for the win. And, and then I finally went to sleep that night, and I was like. There's no way that could be real. The next day I woke up, I was like, there's no way I saw that. <laughs> like, um, Anyways, we got incredibly off topic. Let's reel it back in a little bit. Um, next up on our list is the A car of Kyle Busch. What do you think? Uh, hmm, that's a tough one. Because he's he's, he doesn't have that new new team energy anymore. But at the same time, they're they're solid. They're, they're there. Like, they're... they're consistent one i think one thing that's been crazy to see with this team is the resurgence of kyle bush's popularity this is a man who two years ago three years ago any kind of misfortune whatsoever even if it's like in the truck series he's a loose wheel and has to pit under caution whole crowd's gonna cheer every single time you put him in a chevy within two weeks he was getting cheers you remember auto club the cloud that was insane the entire crowd they came alive every time he took the lead and then won it's like NASCAR fans, just their collective consciousness gets boiled down into one person. And this person, diehard Chevy fan, if you mess with Dale Jr., you're dead to them, or at least until you drive a Chevy again. Like, it, it's it's insane. People do not think for themselves. So, so 2008, when he kind of went to Gibbs and take, took over the world, so to speak, I was in a little bit of a racing hiatus. I wasn't watching it much. I may have saw one or two races every year until 20, uh, 2009, I should say. Um, so I didn't experience a lot of that kind of transition where people really turned on him the first time. But it's kind of crazy that they held that grudge for so long. I, it makes sense because, you know, NASCAR drivers will bring up things that happened in 2002. You can't expect the fan base to behave any differently. But it is kind of mind-blowing. Like, when I stopped watching for the first time back then... Like, he wasn't popular, but he was just kind of there. You know, he was, like, a very Brian Vickers-esque guy. I know that, you know, that's aged poorly for other reasons, re- not regarding racing. But as far as driving, like, he was just kind of there, similar to Kyle Busch. Obviously, Kyle Busch probably had a way higher ceiling. I feel like anybody with eyes noticed that back then. But, per, you know, personality-wise, everything else, you know, for the most part, he was just kind of there. Maybe you didn't like him, but it was probably for valid reasons back then. The moment he turns junior in that race, it's like everybody on the planet was like, no, this guy fucking sucks. We hate him. <laughs> Get him off of our television screens immediately. There, there are some people that are fun to boo, and then there's other people that, like, NASCAR fans just did not want in the sport. I feel like he fits in that category. Like, if given the opportunity, they would have voted him out. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Following up with a uh, driver who was at once very unpopular to the guy who should be unpopular but isn't, Chase Elliott. Um, man, I feel like I kind of hit the nail on the head with that. This is a man who does not have a personality. Let's just say it, right? Let's not mince words here. This is a man who has the personality of Cornflakes, who comes out there in an ugly blue and yellow car. Unfrosted. 
unfrosted. And listen, man, I'm a person who loves healthy cereal. You give me a box of Wheaties, I'm going to tear it up. But that being said, he is the worst version of every healthy cereal. He is the least entertaining person on the planet. And his grape nuts. He, oh, that is honestly the most accurate description we can get for him. This is, like, people always try to tell me online, because you know me, Mike. I'm loud. I get in people's, you know, replies and say things to people. Every defense I get about Chase Elliott and why they like him is like, oh, but, he, you know, he's so cool off the track and not when he's on TV. He flies he? planes. He snowboards. Like, okay, cool. These are cool activities. But you take him away from the activity. You boil that down to just the man, the person you're left behind with when everything else is gone, and there's just nothing there. He's got that post-World War One stare. <laughs> like, that's just a guy in a husk of a, a body, basically. This is somebody who has never once had an opinion of his own. And I don't know if that's, like, PR training from Hendrick, which it probably is because William Byron's the same exact way. But you put him in a crowd of, like, 19 ARCA drivers, you know, change their voice, don't show me their face, have them all talk about, like, their favorite thing. I'm not going to point him out of the crowd. I'm not going to notice him. I'm not going to think he's anyone. This is just a guy off the street that happens to drive a race car, and his dad also happens to drive a race car. I, I can understand why people like Bill Elliott. You know, friendly guy. You know, he was up front forever for, like, 30 years. Fine. Maybe not up front for 30 years, but in the sport for 30 years, you know. He's a guy that, you know, you could have rooted for, was always popular, and for good reason. I feel like Chase rides off the coattails of that so much, and I feel like that gives a lot of people ammunition to kind of excuse things he's done on track. The thing he did I mean, to Danny at Charlotte. Whole, that was his whole stepping stone into the sport. Why would anybody, I mean, yeah, he was an up-and-coming good driver that was winning things, but why was he the next coming of Christ because of Bill? Exactly. It's like we have Ty Gibbs right there. Christ is already back. <laughs> um, but on a serious note, um, racing wise, let's get back to the subject at hand, I guess. Racing wise, he had an abysmal 2023, some of which self inflicted, some of which just bad luck. Um, I know some people I've seen pin the snowboarding thing on him, which are like, okay, yeah, you're in a high level sport. You probably shouldn't be doing that. But if there's nothing in his contract against it, he's not advised against doing things like that by the team. Yeah, go for it, you know? He is a human being. He's entitled to enjoy his time and have fun. I don't think I'm going to hold that against him. It did impact his year very, very negatively. I feel like even without the suspension, that was a lot of bad momentum to kind of rebound from and then, you know, build on. But take all that away. He he is a very solid driver. I expect similar success in 2024 to 2022. Um, kind of a bounce back year. I don't think he'll be a championship contender, per se. But if he had, like, three wins and made it almost to the Final Four... It wouldn't shock me one bit. He's in a great car. He is a good driver at the end of the day. I don't have any issues with his driving. Um, and if he just kind of gets refocused, I feel like he's going to be a tough contender to like deal with weekly. What do you think? I think he's going to be one of the top 200 cars this year, but it's just how good those two cars will be compared to the rest of the field. That's what it's going to come down to, but that's just all equipment and team base. I think you said it there. Um, next up. We have probably one of the biggest question marks in the series. I think it's fair to say that. Um, we have Noah Gregson in the 10 car. And um, I'm going to not be mean. I'm going to talk solely about driving. And we're not going to talk about anything else he's done. I, obviously, there's a lot to look into. Please do so. Um, I feel like it's been talked about at great length. Uh, I'm not going to say anything on the matter. And we're simply just going to talk about driving and racing-related things. Moving on. Um, this is a driver who... Did awful in the 42 car. I don't think anyone would argue otherwise. Every week this man was either in a caution, getting punched by Ross Chastain, 
getting the coconut head haircut. There's always something. Like there's always something going on that's not him just running well. He had a shot at a good finish at Talladega, completely ruined it. He had a good shot at Kansas. That one's not really all on him. Honestly, it's probably mostly not on him, but still. Like, this is a guy who could easily run pretty well, just hasn't. I think going to the 10 car, obviously, even though what we just said about Stuart Haas earlier, is a monumental upgrade from the 42 car last year. Um, last yeah, year, at the very agree. least, that team was just awful. Eric Jones, I feel like, is one of the better drivers in the series. Maybe that's a hot take. Debate me in wherever. I don't care. But the fact that, like, across the board, they were running like that, even the 43, I just don't think they had a lot to offer. So I don't necessarily want to hold too much of that against him. Chicago definitely is. Because that, like, what are you doing, bud? But the rest of the weeks, maybe some of it's just rookie pains. Maybe some of it is just bad luck. This year, he's in an established team. He might still be kind of new to the Cup Series, but this team is not. They've been doing this since 2013 with Danica. You know, and I'm sure it's not all the same people, but this is a team that has, you know, things to study. You know, things they can reference. You know, places they can start from and then build. This is obviously the third year for the next-gen car now. So they have a database. They know what they should want from the car. Harvick has won some races for them in this car. Uh, Chase Briscoe kind of won one. We'll say kind of. Um, so I feel like there's potential for them to do pretty well. I, I Maybe this is a hot take, and maybe this ages poorly and he finishes 35th every week. I think Noah Gregson wins a race this year. I do. I, I think if any sort of Haas driver is going to, I think it'll be him. Um, I, don't th- I don't think it's like super, super likely. I, I personally think he might, but I don't know. Smart Money probably says he doesn't. I feel like he does. Just because you look at his truck series numbers, he was really bad his first year in trucks. I don't think anybody remembers that because it's been a little while now. But that first year in the 18, man, he was trash. Let's just be honest. He was not good. And then eventually he was competing for truck titles. Look at Xfinity. First year in Xfinity, he was running the PUBG car. Shout out to PUBG. Uh, did nothing. Just was kind of there. Whole year. And that was a car that was, you know, Redick won a title in. Everybody else that's been in that nine car has either competed for a title or just run real well. And he had him, who just didn't. But then look at those last few years in Xfinity. Dude was just rolling weekly. Had how many wins that last year in the nine car in Xfinity? Like five or six, I think. Maybe yeah. even a little more than that. So if this is somebody who can mature and become a grown man and not a child in a grown man's body, I feel like his ceiling is pretty high. But I have to see that happen. I have not seen that happen for a sustained period ever in his entire career. And if he can get that sorted out, I feel like there is some potential there. As much as I don't want to say it, I just there has to be, right? But what do you think? I think he, going off of what he said after a few crashes last year, I, I think he's scared to make aggressive moves in the next gen just because of the repercussions if he crashes it. Because, like, even after, a, what was it, Gateway, I think it was, when he backed the left rear into the wall, slammed it real hard, and was concussed after that, in the interview, he was he said he was just ready for the year to be over to get out of the contract. Like, I think he's in. Like, it seems like every time he gets in a crash in that car, he makes a point of saying how bad it was. I, I really think it's he's holding back on making really aggressive moves like he would in Xfinity because of fear of injury. I feel like that's a very valid point to make. I feel like. A lot of drivers have said that. We've even talked about it in a lot of your videos on your channel. Um, those next-gen hits are something fierce. It's not as bad as at first. You know, 2022 was probably as bad as it got with that. Hopefully. I'm going to knock on wood for everybody's sake in the series. But these are cars that, you know, I, I like to describe them like I describe diecasts because I'm assuming you're going to be like me. And as a kid, I would always try to crash at my diecast to make them look like a crash I saw on TV. 
Like, I remember vividly, I had a Mike Skinner 4 car, the Kodak car. And the entire right side of that thing is just peeled off. Because he was always in the wall back then. The entire right side just got scraped on, like, concrete or whatever. Um, I feel like the way that that car never destructed and never got any real damage besides the scrapes, that's exactly what the next gen is. That car is, like, purely cement. Like, there's nothing you could do to change the body. Kyle Busch at Chicago went full speed into a head-on wall covered with some tires. No damage, pretty much. Had a little bit of a dent. That's it. Could have still won the race, for all we know. Like, that is incredible in one way, but awful for driver safety. And I feel like, how many people do we have to hear talk about, oh, that was the hardest hit of my life, and it looks like nothing, you know? There are guys who, you know, you put Ryan Newman in a full season of this car, and they they would have to cancel the whole car. And I was never a Ryan Newman guy, but man, and we need somebody like him to talk about how bad this is, because I feel like it's getting swept under the rug. I feel like they made a few marginal improvements, and now they're like, oh, the we did it. Yeah, it was, they were small improvements, and Harvick had that hit at Gateway last year and said it was the hardest hit of his career, and they have not addressed any part of the car that he hit. He hit it with, like, the right rear, then the right front, and none of that's been changed. None of it gave, and none of it does now. It's like that. There's it needs a complete... I mean, I'm not an engineer, but either make all the clip metals way thinner or just a complete redesign of how it's constructed because it, it's still they, – they do these – the problem is, is that they do these tests for higher-speed crashes. And, yeah, it does give on higher-speed crashes, but on the lower-speed ones, it doesn't give at all. So it feels like a full-speed crash. You know, that's why pe they're getting concussion symptoms from restart bumping. You know, the bumper should be absorbing that. You shouldn't even be worried about bending clips. That is a very valid point. Who was it? Uh, Redick, even? Somebody had a concussion. Yeah. Like, a, yeah, that actual injury from Martinsville, just from restarts. Like, that's kind of insane. I completely forgot about that. Um, but, yeah, I feel like universally, if anybody who's been watching this whole time, we know there needs to be some work done to these cars. I don't have the answer, much like you. I'm not an engineer. Um, I'm, I know a little bit about like the bare bones stuff because you know at this point twenty plus years of watching NASCAR, you know a little bit about aerodynamics and stuff, but you definitely don't know about like the physics of absorbing impacts and so on. I know what G forces are. I know how they're tracked. I don't know how to prevent the driver from feeling them, and I'm hoping that people a little more qualified than me actually decide to start solving that problem. And you know maybe they have. Maybe we just haven't seen results yet. But we're on the clock. Like eventually someone is gonna get really hurt. Maybe they don't die, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen, obviously, but somebody's going to, like, you know, get a bad, bad, like, Kurt Busch-level concussion again, or somebody's going to, like, break a leg or something like that, and then maybe they'll have to reevaluate, and, and I hate to say it, but maybe that's what it takes to solve the problem, but for everybody's sake, here's hoping it doesn't come to that, here's hoping we find something sooner, and we can make some actual progress. Moving on to our next driver, we got Denny Hamlin, the most popular driver in NASCAR, um... What are your thoughts on Denny's season? I think I, I I just I want I really want to see him get one title before he calls it quits. I just it's I can't watch another Mark Martin situation. You, you can't I can't see someone and and it's the odds are so against him way more than Mark Martin because at least with Mark the championship format was fair. This one is not. You you have to, you have to roll the dice and be good that last week. Someone. 
someone messes up the pit stop, eh, it's done. You're done. The whole season does not matter. Does not. You you can win 35 races in a row, finish second in the final race, and you are not the champion. That's not that. I mean, yeah, it is kind of crazy. I remember um, 2014. I don't know why they were defending it, of all people, because they didn't even have a cup car. I don't think of that. Oh, no, they might have. They might have had the 51. But I remember heading into 2014, Turner Scott Motorsports, their poor intern or PR person, whoever it might have been. They did not deserve this, by the way. Oh, man. Shout out to the Facebook noises everybody just heard. I apologize. We're going to mute that. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. Um, 2014. They had a post about the new playoff format, and they were like, oh, this is so exciting. This is so new. And to be fair, it was new, and I'm sure it was exciting if you you know, you know had that kind of vision going in. But it's just such a humongous like deviation from the course that I feel like a lot of people called them out and maybe got them a little bit feisty. Because then when I commented, kind of what you said, I was like, you could lead every lap except the last lap and not be champion. In a sport where everybody's competing against each other every time they compete, like that's kind of insane to me. I don't understand if that... Or I don't feel like that makes any real sense. I get why they did it. It makes way more sense with 1v1 sports like football. Like, you have a 50% chance of winning. When it's racing, I don't want to do... What's what's percentage of 140th? You know, it's ridiculous. You can't have everything go in your favor luck-wise that often to where it's still fair versus your effort put in. I agree. Um, I'm not going to get too into it right now because I feel like this will eventually be a debate for later on in the show. But me personally, I wish they would just make up their mind about what they want the playoffs to be. Either make it full chaos, bring back the 2014 one. No no playoff points, no nothing. No safety net. Pure chaos. Or if you don't want chaos, on the contrary, just go back to the chase. Go back to the full season. Something. Because right now we're in that middle ground where like, oh, it's the playoffs. There's only three races to lock yourself in. It's so crazy. And then you have Martin Truex Jr. just shit it up for eight weeks and keep getting uh, past to the next round. Like The original chase is underrated, in my opinion. It was less drivers. It, it was harder to get into. It meant more to be in it. And you still had time to have things go wrong and recover and not just be done because of something stupid. I totally agree. I feel like if you swap the timeline around, let's say it's 2004 – they didn't go for the chase. They just went straight into playoffs like we had in 2014. And then from there on, we worked ourselves back to here. And now they were bringing in the chase. I feel like it'd be so popular. Like, you bring back the original chase right now, people would love it. Especially because they've been just dealing with the playoffs this whole time. But I feel like this is, or the chase, the original chase like you mentioned. And I, when I say original chase, I mean original chase. Don't talk to me about 12 drivers. Don't talk to me about... You know, wild cards. Like, we don't need to hear about that. That added a little bit too much to it. It was cool on paper, but, like, at the same time, did we really need that? Points was fine. Yeah. Those are the people who should be fighting for the championship. If you were in 19th in points, but you won Watkins Glen, I don't want to see you in the playoffs. You didn't make it. Sorry. Like, you're just not there yet. You might be, and maybe you rattle off 85 wins in the playoffs. I don't know. I also don't care, because that particular year, you were not in contention. Right? I look at a guy like Carl Edwards. Carl Edwards, I, I don't know if it was 2009 or 2010, so forgive me. One of those two years. I want to say 2010. Won, like, the last two races of the season after an absolute stinker. And then the next year was really, really good. <clears throat> I feel like, you know, that could be a good time for teams to reset that aren't in the playoffs. I feel like having 16 teams 
leads to kind of a problem where all 16 feel like they did well, especially the ones that didn't really deserve to be there. Let's just call it what it is. Like, you know, I don't have anything against Michael McDowell or the 34, but that team realistically shouldn't have had a shot at winning the title, right? Imagine in 2011, Trevor Bain fighting for the title. You'll never think Michael McDowell as he's going to win the championship this year. So, I mean, one win, even even if it's the biggest race of the year, I mean, it's one race. I don't. That's why I'm not a fan of the winning. You're in locked in thing at at all. I I think I'm in full agreement with you. Plus, um, if you, the, you're locked in, so you can just dick around for thirty or for twenty five weeks. I'll I'll never forget. I want to say it was 2014, and if it was, it was the first year of that format. And I'm pretty sure Dale Jr. It was like week four or five. They were like, "Yeah, no, we're just trying stuff out because they want the 500." And it was like, "All right, we got nine months." Like. Are you going to really be testing for seven months? And they did. When you got teams like Hendrick, yes, they will be. And that's and you just got to accept it. And it could have been worse. Like they won some races, and then like they fell off the planet. And you know, in search of finding two tenths for the playoffs. But I don't know. I, we're getting on a big tangent here. This is a long conversation. When they had the the when they limited teams testing, as soon as they heard winning, you're in. They're like, Mister Hendrick just lit up. He's like, Ah, yes. You know, just the whole season is going to be a test. Just get your win and then fuck around. I, I completely concur with that. I feel like it's kind of like an expanded version of what the 48 would do. Where, like, they would obviously get to the playoffs because they were the best team in the series. But they would just vibe at the tracks that had two races and the second one's in the playoffs. Like, you just knew. Like, you know, that first Dover race, they were just cooking things up. They were trying to see what worked. And then that second time, they would crush um, Charlotte, I feel like they were good at both Charlotte races all the time, so that's maybe a bad example. Um, Phoenix, back before Phoenix was the finale, better times. Um, I know that first weekend, they always really did, I think, bad. Uh, memory tells me that they did bad. I'm going to fact check this to see what the stats look like. But I never remember him running well in that race. And then they'd go back at the end of the year, and if he wasn't competing for the win, he's probably like eighth, you know, at worst. That's uh, not really a track I associate with Jimmy, but I feel like it's hard to argue otherwise. Let me look back. Right, so I'm just going to pick a year. 2008. It's right in the middle of the five, Pete. Uh, first Phoenix race. Oh, that's a terrible choice. He won that first Phoenix race. <laughs> so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my memory lied to me. He also won the second Phoenix race that year. So I'm going to count that as an outlier. We're going to go to 2006. Let's, let's do some research. We're also incredibly off topic, but I will get back in a second. We just we have to know. The people have to know. First Phoenix race, finished seventh. Last one, finished second. So that's an improvement. But I, I still maybe my opinion doesn't have much ground to stand on there. But... Still, I feel like you can't argue that they didn't do that at Dover. I feel like you can't argue that they didn't do that at, like I mentioned before, somewhat in Charlotte. Like, some of those years in the 600, they would just be, like, 25th, and you'd be like, why? They'd probably, you know, bounce back for, like, a 7th or whatever. But some of those years, you go back to the first 200 laps, and, you know, some of that's obviously because they set up for the nighttime. But, like, man, they were bad some of those years at the start of the race, I remember. Um, Back on topic, back to Denny Hamlin. Um... I think 2024 will be another Denny Hamlin year. Um, and what I mean by that is exactly what it sounds like. I feel like he's going to win a couple races, maybe two, three. I feel like he will inevitably be in at least one controversy. And I feel like he'll be eliminated in the round of eight. I, I would love to see him win a title. This is somebody I've actively been rooting for for a few years now. Um, and it would just be nice to see him complete what has been a really, really nice career with the championship. I feel like he has been in the running for like two decades now almost he's started in 06 he was already really good maybe not championship contender but still 
This is somebody who could easily compete for a title pretty much almost every year in his career. It is insane to me that he has a goose egg in that category. You know? Like, you remember when Kyle Busch was tearing it up in trucks in Xfinity and there was that meme where it was like Cup Championship Zero and they had posted after every win? I feel like he's kind of gotten the torch passed to him in that regard to where, like, you look in any, like, comment section or, you know, Twitter posts or anything that involves Hamlin, you can't get three posts in before you see somebody talk about, oh, zero championships, though. Oh, yeah, you might have won Daytona, but have you won the cup? Like, you know, that's an exact verbatim word-for-word word quote I saw actually today. So, like, I don't know. I just I think it'll be another year. I would love to see him win. I would love to see him prove me wrong and just destroy everybody the whole season. But I think we're asking for too much. I think, you know, a couple wins, round of eight. Maybe final four appearance. We'll have to see. Uh, but I don't. I, my hopes are not as high as they once were. Um, uh, I'd love to see FedEx get a championship with them after being with them for damn near twenty years. That's I like could agree so with that. Rare now. It, do you know what's crazy too? On a similar note, I think the only team in the series, and maybe this is wrong, and if I'm wrong, feel free to yell at me. But I think they're the only team. Or sorry, I think the only team that has one sponsor the entire season is the Forty Eight. They have Ally on the, Ally, pardon me, on that car every week. I don't think there's a single other team. Like they might have them as smaller logos, but the primary is going to be different at least once. Um, so I agree with you. I feel like FedEx, you know, they deserve something for sticking around this long, especially when you consider that like it looked like they were probably leaving the sport and they decided not to. I feel like that is a good omen, but we'll have to wait and see. Next driver up is a driver I'm sure you have a lot to say about. We have Ryan Blaney in the 12th car, our defending champion. How do you think his 2024 goes? He's going to have a better start to the year, but he's not going to be as fortunate in the playoffs. Like, he got he got pretty lucky a few times in the playoffs. But you go back to 22, and he he was his own worst enemy in the playoffs making mistakes. So now that he's gone all the way... I think he knows better what to do if he gets to the round of, you know, 12 and 8 and hopefully the 4. But I, th- I think it'll be an uh, average year. It's not going to be anything crazy either way. It's not going to be horrible, but it's also he's also not going to rattle off six wins or anything crazy. Fair enough. I also just noticed that we're almost an hour in, so we probably want to go through a little quicker. Um, I'll add on to the Ryan Blaney thing, though. Um, we'll do a little bit of prepare because we're getting to that point where like it's it's some teams that may not be there, it's some guys that we don't know who are driving the car. So we'll definitely get through it in a bit. Um, but on Ryan Blaney, uh, I think you know he did get very fortunate in the playoffs, like you said, and some of that was just him powering through some adversity. Some of it was circumstance, though. I feel like he's another shoe in for another round of eight, maybe around twelve if things kind of go rough a little bit. Um, no pun intended, I guess, because he's twelve car, but. I don't know. I just even 2023, like I wouldn't have pinned him as the champion. Even in the playoffs, I wouldn't have pinned him as the champion. He did it, and he deserves all the credit in the world. And congratulations, because he is the champion, no matter what I think. But I don't know. He just seems like he survived until there were like the final four, and then at that point, he was just cooking because he had a lot of momentum from Martinsville and so on. Um, I think it's not as replicatable as you know some other drivers may have been back in the day. I think he will definitely compete for wins. He'll probably compete in the playoffs. But like I said, I think round of eight, round of 12. Probably round of eight. Yeah, I'd say round eight. Next up is a question mark. And I don't mean car number. It's probably going to be the 13 car. But I have the third colleague car down. 
I'm just going to say I don't think this team will enter the 500. I thought about it, or I was considering it a lot more before I knew where everything shook out with the 16 car. Um, but now that I know that, you know, AJ will be in that car, SVG will be in that car at other places, they don't have really any prospects that are probably worth putting in the car. You know, no disrespect, but, like, they really don't have anybody in the upcoming ranks that should probably be in that car. You know, I love Josh Williams. He just got there. And even if he didn't just get there, like, I, I need to see something before you do that. Um, so I don't think I have really much to say on this. Do you have anything about a potential 13 car? <laughs> no, I'm not. It's, I, I can't tell much about the comings and goings of the C-team. Fair enough. And I'm glad you said C-team because, man, they have taken some steps back. But um, we'll move on to a car that will definitely be there and a driver we know of, Chase Briscoe. Um, I'll be there. <laughs> that summarizes. I don't know if we have to go too much more into depth on that. Um, this is a guy who definitely shows up to the track. And I don't mean like shows up to race. Like, no, just physically, he's at the track. Um, good for like a 19th sometimes after running 38th all race. Um, I think he ran like lower 30s on pace like four or five times this past year. Granted, didn't finish there. So credit to him. But I just don't know what happened. This is a guy who, you know, looked like a real, like, you know, cup title threat at the last bit of his Xfinity run. And. You know, maybe that's just Stuart Haas falling off a cliff. Maybe him just not taking to the next gen as well as he thought he would. But I don't know. It's just I'm at a loss for words watching that team. Because they'll just, like I said, be in the 30s the entire race. They'll get a wave around or two. It'll be the end of the final stage. And, like, he'll just be in 18th somehow. And you'll be like, okay, how did this happen? And you just won't follow up on it. He'll just be there. He'll look at the results. He'll be, like, 16th, and that's it. No story, no context. He's not a guy you see on TV very much unless he's an onboard or he's an And wreck. when he is up front, he's going for the win and then crashing every time. We, we got to talk about that because you and I have both been victims of that. Yeah. So at, at the same track, actually, I didn't think about that. Uh, Bristol Dirt, uh, 2022. Uh, I don't want to relive this, but for those who may not have seen it, uh, last lap of the race, uh, Tyler Reddick, absolutely probably going to win. Uh, I realize it's an oxymoron. Don't worry about it. I'm also an oxymoron. Um, could have easily won the race, probably should have won the race, got absolutely cleaned out by the 14. I don't mean, oh, he spun him. No, like, he spun himself, too. That was very, very, very silly. Not a good call. How did he follow up to that? How did he respond to the controversy of the 2022 finish? By doing it again to the 12 car. <laughs> like, this is guy, he got to clean it up. We don't have the, the Bristol Dirt track anymore, so maybe it'll take some of the dumb out of him. Here's hoping. But... Remember he tried to pass Larson at Charlotte? Yeah, it's fun. By just not slowing down for the corner and turning left? Like, I, I appreciate it on one hand, right? Because, like, there's that cynical chaos part of my brain that just wants to see dumb things happen because it'd be funny. But in reality, you're a cup driver. You have Mahindra. Like you you have how to drive a car. You have all these sponsors. Um, you have a team that easily could compete for top 20s weekly. I feel like that's a fair thing to say, no matter what the falloff is. And he's just abysmal. And then, you know, by the grace of God, he's not abysmal one week. He will ruin it. He will find a way to ruin it every time. Next up, um, we have a big old question mark again. We have the Rick Ware 15. So we have had some news come out uh, in the past day or two. Um, Kaz Grawl is going to be in that car quite a bit this year. And that makes me very, very happy. I really like Kaz. I feel like he's one of the more underrated drivers we actually have. 
Um, I feel like he did a great job in the 26 car. I know he's in a lot of crashes too, so you know you got to take the good with the bad. But I feel like he got more out of that car than anybody in the 24. And it's not like the 24 had like, exclusively scrubs. Like They had Corey Heim and a couple other people with some real promise in there. And nonetheless, I still feel like Kaz was a pretty solid contributor to that team. Uh, you talked earlier about whether you think Spire or Rick Ware are going to win the mid-off. I think if Rick Ware Racing is going to win the mid-off, it'll be at the hands of Kaz Gralla, which is, I, I'm sure I'm going to get flack for that because a lot of people, for some reason, like Justin Haley. But I, it is what it is. As far as Daytona is concerned, uh, they have not announced who's going to be in this car. I have not personally heard or read anything that leads me to believe it's somebody like that's you know could be found out right now. I'm sure they have something on paper or you know something in the works, but depending on who they put in that car, you know they could run okay at Daytona. It also completely depends: are they going to try to compete or are they just going to tell us they're trying? You know, because a lot of teams say like, oh, you know, we're out to do you know this and this. It, not even in NASCAR necessarily, just in sports across the board. Every team that tanks in the NBA tells their fans, oh, you know, this is our year to like, really improve. We're going to play a lot of the young guys. We're going to get them a lot of experience, and by the end of the year, they're going to be winning games. And then, lo and behold, you find yourself in the situation the Pistons find themselves in, and, you know, they're losing 27 straight games. Like, there is a definite correlation to that in all sports. Racing is not an outlier. And I guess we'll have to see. Is Rick Ware Racing telling us they're going to compete, or are they showing up to race? If they show up to race, I feel like they can do pretty well. But... We'll have to see. Only time will tell. What do you want to add to that? I'm, I'm trying to decide how long we should give them until we can start to tell. Like, would you say by race 10, we could we could see who's leading the mid-off? Uh, you know, not only do I think we can, I think we should. I think we should loop back to this conversation after the 10th race. What is that? Let's see. Um, which also, before we really wrap this up, I do want to briefly talk about the schedule too. But the 10th race of our year is Talladega. Oh, what a perfect race to have you back. <laughs> so we'll talk about it after Talladega. Maybe they win Talladega. Who knows? Um, but we'll see how it all shakes out there. Uh, moving on, we have AJ Allmendinger in the 16 car. I don't have a big opinion on this simply because AJ is not the best cup driver. He's a great driver, across, like generally, but cup was just never his thing. I feel like Xfinity is where he belongs. He strikes me like a Justin Allgaier kind of guy. Where like that's just where he should be. He's uh, he is top dog down there, and he can definitely probably be the centerpiece of a team. Like Colleague probably should make him their focal point in Xfinity. Um, arguably, even across the board, maybe they should put more focus in AJ's Xfinity team than their Cup teams this year. Especially if you're gonna put <laughs> that 31 out there with Daniel Hemrick every week. Like you might as well not even show up. So who knows? But I think this team could run pretty well. Obviously, at the road courses, I feel like that's a given. Um, they also have SVG in the team, and he's obviously a humongous wild card. Uh, I, I, don't, I can't remember. Is he, I don't know if he's in this car for all of the road courses or if some of them he'll also be running for Trackhouse. But nonetheless, this is a team that could easily rattle off some good runs. Uh, maybe they get a lucky win. Who knows? Uh, definitely, obviously, not playoffs. This is not one driver in the car the whole season. But maybe the owner's playoffs. Maybe they go a little further in that than we expect. I'll give some credit where it's due. I almost feel like this is another team we might want to talk about 10 weeks in and see where they've shaken up. But what do you think? I think AJ will... Which race is, it, is he doing? Which ones is he doing? So, well, obviously, Daytona. Um, let me see what the others are. I can look it up in the meantime. I know. I think he, he was doing the vast majority. I want to say it was like 24 of the races or something like that. It was a very large okay. number. Um, let's see. I'll just look at the article. It's gonna, it's, he's going to do... 
probably about exactly where he always does. You know, he's he's going to be maybe around 15th to 20th. If he's in that car on a road course, top five for sure. But otherwise, he's, he's going to be his normal mid-pack cup performance. But I don't understand why it seems like in the last 10 years, or I guess, damn, it's going to be more than that by now. We just stopped having career drivers for the other series. Like you got Matt Crafton for trucks, you got Allgaier for Xfinity, and then like that's it. Everyone else is just racing to get out of those series as fast as they can. And I miss having a field in those series. I I completely agree. Um, I feel like those series struggle with identity, especially trucks, because if you got rid of Matt Crafton. Boy, <laughs> it's not good. It's it, almost exclusively. Is. It's almost exclusively look like, children. They all look like generated names. None of them look like real people. Like I, I don't believe they are real. I think they're they're self-driven trucks until somebody climbs out. Yeah, it's like somebody wins a truck race, you never heard of them before, and like, oh, it's James Inflation. <laughs> like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> like, it's always I'm glued to the television because I need to see them get out, or I will not believe they exist. Yeah, it's Jim Economy in the '88 car. Like, <laughs> all right, well, that's not a real person. Not a real name, anyway. Ta I really do believe that, though. I don't think I don't believe in John's uh, theory, which we're not going to get into here. But um, I do. I that can't be a real name, right? Like. It's just so obscure, which almost makes it more likely to be real. But like, I'm actually looking it up because we're gonna we're gonna do a little research. We're going on another Does tangent. Tate Fogelman use an alias. Uh, birth name? Nope. Just says Tate Fogelman on the whole Wikipedia page. So that's interesting. Um, he's also much younger than I thought he was. Maybe it's just because of his name. But I thought this was like a 35 year old man. <laughs> like, no. What? I'm just I right, listen. I've never seen him. Uh, he's just been there. Um. Nonetheless, though, 16-team, uh, probably going to be mid most of the year. Let's just be honest. But like you said, and like I said, I think they definitely could rattle off a win or two. Um, so here's what we're going to do, because we are running a little long. I am going to give up some names. We're going to go rapid fire. Give me two words to describe their season. Actually, that's a little bit short. Give me three words to describe their season. And we're going to start off with the 17 car, and we're going to start off with Chris Buescher. I can't contain it in three words. It's going to be... Yeah, all right, how about this? We'll settle for... It's going to be better. We'll settle for a sentence. Going to be better? That's three. You just gave me... <laughs> well... I'll take a sentence, though. Give me your full thought. It's, it's going to be better than last year. It's going to build on that. And, and then the six are going to be, I'd say, competing for top fives and tens most weeks. I agree. Um, obviously, this team, I feel like... I just said earlier, I feel like they were a championship contender. I almost feel like they were my favorite for the championship. It was either probably going to be them or Byron, and then obviously it was neither. But um, he felt like the guy. He felt like one of the guys at the very least. This year, I'm expecting nothing less. Um, maybe he doesn't win the championship. Maybe he wins a few less races. I feel like he'll be up front a lot. I feel like he's shown that he is kind of really good all around. You can take him to really any track type. He'll at least be okay. Um, which, let's just be real, that's not always a guarantee. There are a lot of really good drivers who've won many, many races. You take them to a certain type of track, and they're just abysmal. He doesn't have that. And in a series, like we talked about before, that rewards winning over everything, that's a very beneficial skill to have. It'll really help him in the long run, I think. Next up, we are going to go to Martin Truex Jr., one sentence. Another big three-year or 28th every week, no in between. 
All right, I'm going to – this is the hot take segment of the show or another hot take segment of the show. Retirement tour doesn't make playoffs. <laughs> I think he, he I think he's going the way of Daryl Waltrip in the sense of like, oh, for some reason I have fans. Let me go say bye to all of them at every track. And he, rub up that Kmart machine. Yeah, he's just going to be out there vibing. I think he very clearly is kind of – this is a bad way to put it, but he's kind of on ice until they have another TRD prospect they really like. Um Obviously, they just kind of reloaded in Xfinity, which we'll get into in that week, uh, week's episode. But when one of those drivers are ready, I don't see any other outcome versus them getting into that 19 car. Maybe you throw one of the top prospects into the Legacy Motor Club fold just to get them you know, some groundwork going. But then again, they have Eric Jones, who's relatively young. They have John Hunter, who's relatively young. Coincidentally, I think they're almost the same age. Doesn't feel like it, but I think they kind of showed up at the same time. So it's not like they have like you know veterans that are in their last few seasons. So I guess we'll wait and see. But I don't know. Martin Truex Jr., he feels like, you know, the prime candidate. Like, okay, we need to get somebody else in that car now. Yeah, he's just back again. Yeah. Next up, we have his teammate and Chris Bell. Um, I'm going to start the sentence. I'm going to say early championship favorite. I, I feel like he has put it together more and more every single year. And... I feel like he's going to hit that stride. I feel like we see a lot of drivers come into the NASCAR Cup Series and, you know, kind of meander around a little bit for a while before they finally get their footing. I feel like he got his footing a couple years ago, and I really feel like this is the year he puts it all together. I feel like he's not someone people talk about because he doesn't really, you know, have a lot of interviews where he says anything too interesting. and You know, he's not really in controversies. But I do think this is the year. At the very least, I'm predicting, like, four wins. What do you think? Bold prediction pretty good regular season on fire the first two rounds of the playoffs complete devastation round of eight okay i don't hate that i don't agree obviously but i don't hate that i feel like that's also possible and we'll have to wait and see this is a team that realistically should be competing for titles it's gibbs at the end of the day he feels like in 2022 he felt like the guy that was like gonna you know carry the flag for the team so to speak and then 2023 was a little bit of a regression on that front. But he could very well end up being that guy. That entire 2020 uh, big three, sorry, 2019, I guess, big three in Xfinity, him, Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, even Cole Custer being back in Xfinity, I think all three of them could realistically be like top competitors in Cup. And I know that sounds absolutely insane right now, considering Cole Custer, like I said, got back to Xfinity. But I, I, don't, I just think maybe it comes from the 41 team just not succeeding. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I am right. Who knows? But I definitely hold Christopher Bell in that regard, and it would not shock me. Next up, uh, to somebody we probably don't have as much to say about, I'm going to talk about Harrison Burton and the 21 team. Uh, I think they'll be all right. I think they'll run okay sometimes, probably get like two top fives maybe. Um, hmm. I think he'll have less accidents too because I just brought up the three-year thing in a cup with Bell. This is Harrison Burton's third season. I feel like we've seen so many drivers maybe not figure it out because that's kind of a big thing to say. But they get to a point where they're consistently all right, and I feel like that's where he's at. What do you think? What's his contract status look like? As far as I know, and maybe this is incorrect, so I'm going to look it up. I think he just signed a one-year deal to come back like this year, so he's on a contract year. Yeah, this this is it has to be a make-or-break year for his cup career, for now at least, because... 22, awful. 23, just as awful. Like, I never saw that car unless it was upside down that one time. That was it. That is true. He peaked early. 
That was that's the other Penske liability. That and the two. They're just there. Isn't it crazy? All like, of Pen- Penske has been split down the middle. You have the 12 and 22 and then them. It's crazy. I don't think people even associate the 21 as like being essentially a Penske car anymore. Like it's so far removed from what it was. Like, even I when really associate the two as one now. Even De Benedetto when he was in that car, everybody was like, "Oh, don't forget, it's basically a Penske car. That's why he's running up front." We've never had the opportunity to say that with Harrison because he's only been up front once. Like the only time he's been, well, sorry, there's two times he's been like a main character. One is that Daytona race, even before he flipped. I feel like everybody's gonna say, like, "Oh, yeah, he was in a crash." Forget that for a second. He was up there with Brad a lot of the early portion of that race. He was, you know, in the mix for the most part. It obviously did not go his way, but I feel like let's say that wreck doesn't happen. It wouldn't shock me if you got a top five. Yeah. And then specifically, I want, was it last year or was it 2022? One of the two seasons he's run already, obviously, uh, that Darlington race. He got a top five. I remember it was in the throwback car, the car his dad raced. That was pretty cool, especially because Darlington's a really, really tough track. But like you said, he's got to start doing something. You know, This is a guy who didn't show as much promise as his peers did in the Xfinity series and then just got into the Cup series. Um, I know there's a – maybe it's not a rumor. Maybe it's more of a fact. He was supposed to be in the 22 Xfinity car for Penske. That team shut down, <laughs> so he just got put in Cup. Um, but it's time to make something with that. You've gotten so many good opportunities. You've been put in a Gibbs car in Xfinity. Then you essentially got handed a Penske Cup car without earning one, really. Like, you got to do something. At least kind of show up weekly, get some top 10s. Show me you can't – you know, show me you can go a few weeks without tearing your race car up. That'll be our square one, and we'll see where we can build from there. Next up, we have a driver who had one of her, his worst years. I know it doesn't seem like it, but one of his worst years last season, Joey Logano. Uh, what do you think about his year this year, Mike? He's going to get it together. It's it, Last year, like, that just shows how high of a bar we have for Joey. Last year wasn't a bad year for a driver, just looking at his stats on paper. It wasn't a bad year, but for him, it was bad. So I think definitely they're going to pick up the slack from last year going into this one. Me personally, I feel like being disappointed in a top driver is the ultimate sign of respect in a really weird roundabout way. Because if I'm disappointed in a guy like Joey Logano for running ninth every week, like that's a sign like, hey, man, you're supposed to be winning all of these. <laughs> like, fix it. Right. Like, And I do hold him in that regard. I feel like as far as pure ability is concerned, he might be top five, maybe even higher. I don't know. We'll have to talk about that in greater detail at some point. But he's definitely on the high end of that, uh, upper, you know, so percenter. But sure. I don't know. Last year was rough. Uh, like you said, the two, uh, the 22 and the 12 kind of live in their own universe, Penske, where they kind of do their own thing. It would not shock me if maybe they kind of got some of that, you know, good vibe going again after the 12 won the championship because maybe they can share a little more information. Maybe Joey will just kind of have more confidence in his team, knowing like, oh, well, you know, he just won a championship in our car, so we can do the same. Um, but yeah, we, there's a lot to build on, and I want to see a return to form. Um, he's still, I think, only like in his early 30s, so there's still a lot more Joey Logano left, hopefully. Um, and I guess we'll see what he does. <laughs> hopefully he doesn't get as mad at the Pocono safety crew as he did this year, because that was insane. Wow. Have you ever seen him get mad, aside from, well, that mad aside from then? I don't think I have. No, just him whining at Tab a few times, but that was nothing compared to Pocono. That's true. There, that is why the meme exists, after all. For the uninformed... Get him the hell out of my way, Tab. The moment that either Joey Logano or Tab are brought up, 
there's immediately a oh frick tab. Like somebody always hits us with one of those. Um, but you know, shout out to Joey Logano. I thought I you know he's not my favorite driver, nothing like that at all. But clearly one of the more talented people, and I'd like to see him be a little more relevant. As crazy as that might sound. Um, next up. Bubba Wallace. And I'm going to start on this one because I actively support Bubba Wallace and I have a big opinion. He needs to show me a little more. He needs to show me specifically that he will not crumble when given a good opportunity. I can't like see that 23 car or him and not just immediately flash back to Texas where he was essentially guaranteed to win that race and just handed it over. Just didn't do a good job defending. Who was it? Byron? Somebody got by him and it was just over. And he should have won that race. And I feel like there's been that exact situation many, many times. For whatever reason, he keeps doing the same thing, and the same thing hasn't worked since the start. And, you know, credit where it's due. He's a two-time cup winner now. He's somebody I want to see succeed. He's somebody who I think is capable of a lot of really, you know, good wins. But I have to see it in action. You have all this funding. You have a good team. You have a good teammate. You have a lot of opportunity. Go make something of it. Go do something with it. You know? It's great. I love seeing all the cool cars. I love seeing him run like 12th. He's a really cool personality. I think he's, you know, for the most part, all right, dude. Come on, though. You got You can't be in a top car and continuously, you know, rely on fourth and fifth place finishes to, you know, keep going. Yeah, he keeps, he's got to stop letting the pressure get to him when he gets in a position to win. I think that's his biggest problem. He gets in his own head more than anything. I think you're right. I think somewhere along the line in his racing career, and I don't really know when this happened because I didn't, you know, follow his whole career start to finish. But I feel like somewhere on the ways of the Cup Series, he had like a team or a crew chief that would just shit talk him because he seems like it's a trauma response. Like I've unfortunately seen a lot of people who've dealt with trauma, and this is a very common thing I've seen where like you know, the moment they're put in a kind of similar situation, it's like their brain automatically reverts back. Obviously, make no mistake, I am not a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or any brain scientist of any kind. Take their opinion over mine every day of the week, um, 100% of the time. <laughs> but I've just seen that kind of trajectory play out for a lot of people. I feel like it's similar to his case. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just like something that keeps happening for whatever reason. But I want to see some improvement on that. Uh, he's been in the Cup Series, and this is going to sound insane because it is insane. He's been in the Cup Series for six seasons. This is his seventh season as a full-time driver. That doesn't even count the stuff in the 43 when Eric was hurt. Um, it's time, you know, I need you to maybe not compete for titles, but like, I need you in the round of eight. I need you to win two races in a year. I feel like that's not too much to ask for. Um, moving on to a guy who I feel like defied expectations in a good way. And that might sound ridiculous first, but hear me out. Uh, William Byron. Um, this is a guy who essentially was like the golden goose for Hendrick for a little while. There's all those jokes about how he is the next coming of Jeff Gordon. Um, little did we know that Jeff Gordon was actually the next coming of Rick Hendrick. Um, but <laughs> that team, uh, they were killing it last year. Like I said earlier, they felt like the team that probably should have won the title if it wasn't the 20, in my opinion. Um, or not the 20, pardon me, the 17. Got my Chris is confused. Uh, but, man, they were on fire last year. My challenge for them, I want to see if they can keep that up. I want to see if they can go out there week to week and just, you know, be a top team. You know, because, like, his first few seasons, like he was running okay on occasion. But, like, he would have flashes of greatness and then revert back. Last year, it wasn't flashes. He was just great. And I want to see if he can keep that up. Um, he set himself a pretty high bar, but he's at a good team, and he has the experience now. So I want to see what he can do. What do you that think? Was a, that was a rush of nostalgia last year, seeing the 24 competing every week. Like, I haven't felt that in 15 years. And, like, when when Jeff retired and then Chase got into it, 
he wasn't great in that number. And then William got into it and wasn't great for years. And now it's it, he's a weekly threat. And it just feels right that the 24 is back up there up front every week. I feel like bringing back the uh, like the rainbow toucan kind of exalted car. I feel like that was the secret. <laughs> like as silly as it might be, as soon as that scheme showed up, they turned a corner and they were much much more consistent. Um, obviously, last year, even compared to the other years, he was do- doing pretty well. Leaps and bounds better. Um, and this is somebody who you know in Xfinity and trucks seemed like the guy. You know, seemed like he was cherry picked to be great, and then he wasn't for a while. And maybe he lost some of that you know shine, I guess. But I really do think that um, he's proven himself as one of the top drivers in the series. I want to see what he can do long term. And I want to see him be a little more versatile in like sense of like whenever we go to one of these goofy races, like you can call it a goofy race, a gimmick race, whatever you want. Your Bristol Dirt, which obviously doesn't exist anymore. Um, or like, you know, the Chicago street course. Things like these, like, I want to see him like start winning those kind of races. Because if you can do that and then you can go to like a Kansas, uh, you know, Martinsville, Dover, and win there too. Like, that's when you really start rattling off wins and championships and so on. And I feel like it's not unfair to ask him of that because he's really good. So I want to see it happen. Moving on to somebody I have absolutely no expectations for. We got Daniel Hemrick in the 31 car. Um, So I know for a fact because for some reason he's very popular amongst a lot of NASCAR fans online. This is somebody who I very much don't enjoy having in the Cup Series. Not for any personal reason. Seems like he's a good guy. Um, I don't know him personally. So, you know, whatever. Take it, leave it. So on. Seems like he has, you know, a good personality. I know back when he was in Cup the last time, he would always be one of the people throwing the football with the fans during the rain delays. So, you know, seems like a cool enough guy. I have nothing against Daniel Hemrick, the man. Right? But we're going to pivot there. Because Daniel Hemrick, the driver, is abysmal. And I don't get why he keeps getting these riots. This is a guy who has been mid everywhere forever. I don't know if you remember this, Mike, but I remember back in, like, 2014, 2015. We have one friend who I'm going to remain unnamed for now but there was one friend at our friend group that would not stop talking about how good this guy was going to be and then he got the trucks he was in the 14 um i think it was the 14 maybe i'm misremembering but did okay you know didn't light the world on fire i remember he didn't win shocker uh and then went to xfinity forever did nothing you know competed in the playoffs sure but you know on paper he was just kind of there somehow finds his way to the cup series once blows it completely blows it you know how bad you have to be as a rookie to immediately get replaced it was one year removed he was like no no more richard children's is like he only had two years yeah wait it wasn't more than that wasn't it well no it wasn't because he started in 06 07 i mean oh wait oh kind of counts he was in the 96 car which was the fact it was kind of like what the wood brother car is now so like i'm gonna count that that's basically still a gibbs car and still did nothing with it do you know how bad you have to be to get removed in one-third of the time is J.J. Yaley? <laughs> like, oh, I, like, this is a guy, like, I need something. Show me some sign of life. Because right now, you're just kind of there. You're taking up a spot. You don't need to be. And there's better pay drivers if they wanted a pay driver. I don't think he's a pay driver. But let's say they just wanted somebody else to just, fill, you know, fill the field. Go bring Riley Herbst up. At least he's showing some signs of improvement, you know. And at the very least, he's always been all right at super speedways. Daniel Hemrick, what are you getting from him? You know, maybe this age is poorly. Maybe I'm completely wrong. You're completely wrong. He crushes everybody this year. I'd love to see it. <laughs> but let's just be real for a second. That's not going to happen. <laughs> like, I would bet so much money that that guy goes winless this year. And not necessarily because it's Colleague, Because, you know, we've said in a bunch about Colleague already. How they're kind of just there as a team. But, like, this is it. They won last year on speed. 
It's like, if the cards get played right, they can. But I guarantee you, we're going to talk about this in about 10 months, and Daniel Hemrick's going to be like 23rd in points with like a top 10. And we're going to be like, yeah, what a waste of time. Um, the only good thing... Prediction on the top 10 there. Yeah, hey, listen, man. We're going to get a rain race somewhere along the line. Maybe he'll stay out. I don't know. But it wouldn't shock me if in a year's time we're talking about somebody else already being signed to this car. Maybe he'll do so bad he gets removed like right before the end of the year like a lot of drivers did like 10 years ago for some reason. Maybe a little longer than that now. I remember vividly uh, AJ Allmendinger just kind of showed up in the 10 car because Patrick Carpentier got <laughs> removed. Um, but still, I, I have no hopes for this guy. If, do you want to elaborate anymore? Nope, not for hat. There we go. We'll end on a very sour note for a very sour decision from Colleague Racing. Uh, next up, we got Michael McDowell. Um, we kind of talked about him briefly earlier with the playoffs. But this is a guy who, you know, it, it, some people don't like him. I don't, don't really have an opinion, positive or negative. The fight with Suarez was pretty lame, but you take that away. And the thing with Bubba at the All-Star race the one time at Bristol was pretty lame. But he's been around for like 16 years. I know that's crazy to sound, say, but it is true. And if you, those are your only two controversies, really, whatever. I can live with that. Um, and I feel like he's a great fit for the team. He's I'd undoubtedly been their most successful driver. Yeah, it just took him 15 years to hone his talent. But he, he finally can put together a race, even in that car, which you got to give him props. He's taken a front row car and running decent with it every week now, it seems. Yeah, and I remember a lot of people, especially in 2022, they were like, oh, well, it's just his crew chief. I think his name is Blake Harris, and maybe I'm saying it wrong. Apologies if I am. But I remember vividly back then, everybody was like, oh, well, yeah, his crew chief is really, really good. He's getting a lot of good finishes, which, you know, I, even me personally, I bought into that. I was like, yeah, totally. That's exactly what's happening. And then dude wins any road course on talent, ran pretty good last year. And, I, you know, I'll give credit where it was due. Even though I said he wasn't, shouldn't have really been fighting for a title last year. He didn't look like a fish out of water in the playoffs like he did the first time. The first time, yeah. it was like, what is this guy doing? Second time, he felt like he should have at least been in the round of 16. That being said, shouldn't have a shot at the title. But like in that element, they came to life, and they started running pretty well. Yeah, um, There shouldn't be a round of 16, but he deserved to be in it. If you're going to have it, he's one of the guys, I feel like, at this point. And you know what? I'm going to say it. I feel like he makes the playoffs again. Not off a win. I feel like it's points this time. It's possible. Um, speaking of possibilities, we're going to go next to a driver and a team that may or may not be there. Hell, maybe this is the driver of the 15 car when it's all said and done for Daytona. But next up on my list, I have Riley Herbst in the 36. This is only here specifically because I know that team does run a lot of the super speedways. They raced Talladega in the fall, and I think they got a top five, actually. Let me look it up. Um, I think if they show up to the track, whether it's front row or not, I think Riley's best track type, well, maybe a mile and a half now, because he's really put those together lately, as long as it's not a flash in the pan, I guess. But I feel like, aside from that, he's you know been a pretty solid super speedway driver, and I feel like when I talk about super speedway racing in a bubble, whether it be like in the, you know this kind of context or just in general, people will get real mad if like you say, like oh, so-and-so is actually pretty good at super speedways, if like the results maybe don't line up with that. But I feel like one thing people have to take into account is well first of all the part that i feel like everybody can easily understand those races are chaos you know you could do everything right somebody just turns you that's not your fault you can't do anything about that but it's part of what you know sometimes that'll cause There's you to finish like more to super being good at the super speedway than your results like yeah. that that's something that you that it's objective and it has to be observed from the outside like throughout the race because you can be making the most amazing moves 
that anyone could ever think of or pull off and then get wiped out by someone else with five to go and on paper you finish 30th and it never mattered but you can be a it it he he has he knows what to do that's that's where my kind of like stock gets put into are you making good decisions are you usually the one causing the big wreck are you usually involved in the big wreck because i feel like over a longer you know sample size if you're always in that wreck like i hate to keep burying the man but martin truex jr that man has not missed a big wreck in 20 years <laughs> like eventually that has to become sports you know, betting apps have to have a, a, a like a, a pool for him crashing at a plate track it's a given it's like you have to be able to put money on that at this point it's like Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson's the same way. You take them to a play track, and they are guaranteed to at least have some damage to the car, which, like, okay, fair. A lot of the cars have damage. But, like, it's usually self-inflicted, and they're usually cooked. <laughs> like, like I'm pretty sure the last plate race that Truex didn't get in a crash in, he lost the photo finish. Yeah, and that was almost a decade ago. Like, <laughs> it's been too long. I need him to miss a few. I need him to get through Daytona. I want him to get through Speed Weeks, Incident 3. Um... But anyways, we're getting off topic. Back on Riley Herbst and super speed racing. I feel like it's kind of very evident in your videos, actually. For anyone who, for some reason, may not have watched any of Mike's reaction videos. Um, pretty on, um, pretty much every time there's a super speedway, there will at the very least be a cup race reaction video that'll go up. And if you just listen to those, like, you can tell who we think are good and who aren't good at super speed racing solely because of the decisions. We'll watch, like, let's take a guy like David Reagan, right? Because th- this is always something that gets under my skin. Everybody's like, oh... David Reagan's so good at super speed racing. He's got two wins. He won for the 34 team, and he won for the 6 team in 2011. Okay, cool. But let's break that down, and let's look at some other factors, too. 2011, that's the third tandem race. The third. I'm not counting the duels. I don't care. And I'm not counting Xfinity or trucks. That is the third tandem race for the Cup Series, right? They didn't have a huge sample size. Granted, they started off much better than the other series. I don't know if you remember 2011 and Xfinity or trucks, but man. (laughs) Especially trucks. Trucks at Talladega that year was brutal. But... I like. I feel like he just had a starting ground that was so even with everybody else, and he was pretty good at tandem. I'll give credit where it was due. So shout out to him. But I feel like people gave like that win and twenty thirteen win, which mind you, twenty thirteen, you could not pass. That was the year where they were all straight up just a train up against the wall. If you look at the end of that race, he did make some good moves. So you know credit where it's due. He did two good jobs and did really well both of those days, and absolutely deserved both of those wins. But then you take that and you look at like the twenty eighteen you know, summer Daytona race where he had the lead. It was a green white checker, just moved over. didn't block, didn't l- care about yeah. having somebody pass him. You can have it. Yeah. It's kind of like similar to like the way I talked about the Bubba Wallace, te- uh, Texas thing, like fight for the win, especially if you're David Reagan, like what else are you going to lose? <laughs> like you're David Reagan. You're not, you don't have a playoff spot to worry about. You're not points racing. Go do something. And maybe we'll follow up on that a little later when we talk about him. But Riley Herbst, anyways, he seems like one of those guys that, Puts it together a lot in super speedways. Seems to make good decisions. Seems to put himself in spots where the big wreck usually doesn't involve him. Um, and I'd like to see him move up on that. Next up is, uh, at least according to me, a fan favorite in Todd Gilliland, the toddler himself. I think Todd is going to have a great year. I feel like this is the year top 10 Todd turns from a meme into a reality. I think he's going to be running pretty well. I feel like at some point either through osmosis or sharing setups or what have you, he's going to like eventually start running similarly to the 34. Maybe not quite as good because um, that's a pretty high bar for that team. Let's just be honest. But I do think he'll put it a little bit more together. This year, he doesn't have to worry about Zane Smith taking a few of his starts. Um, 
and on top of that, there's I, I, this is a driver who I really didn't think had that like upper echelon potential. And to be fair, he maybe he doesn't, right? But my hopes were so low for this guy exclusively until the Martins will win. Not even because he won the race, but because of his reaction to Kyle Busch. There's there's something in there. There's a human being there, which I can, can't say about every driver in this series, unfortunately. Like there's something. There's like some star power there that's trying to show itself, and I feel like. All it's going to take is him getting some momentum, and I feel like we're going to see a lot of positive strides. I very, very much endorse and support Todd Gilliland. I think he'll do really well. Um, maybe it doesn't go well. Who knows? But um, at least as it stands currently, January 17th, 2024, um, I think he has a few good runs this year. Maybe not you know, anything crazy. Maybe like four top tens. Maybe a top five if he gets lucky enough. But um, I don't know. My hopes are high. I feel like he's going to show some improvement. What do you think? I think he's already like underrated. Like I, I was seeing him pull off top tens last year repeatedly, and I was like, "Why is nobody talking about this?" He's I, one of those people I think that they just wrote off because he had a bad stint in KBM. Yeah, like he, he might. He's going to be one of those drivers that has a maybe even someone like William Byron who has a slow burn at the start of their career, and then like five years in, they're like at the top. I concur. I feel like that's a very valid way of looking at it. But I'm also incredibly biased, so don't take my word for it. Um, <laughs> moving on um, to uh, similar but different. Uh, we got Ryan Priest. Um, going into 2023, my hopes weren't super high because it was still a Stuart Haas car at the end of the day, and we kind of saw the writing on the wall by then. But I thought we would see more. I thought at the short tracks, at least, he'd be relevant. Um, and he was on occasion, but it would be like because of track position or it would be because of strategy. I feel like I need to see him complete a race where he like he's just one of the guys. He's one of the people competing for that win. Even if he doesn't win, he can finish like eighth for all I care. I want to see that he's capable of you know competing the entire race. And then if it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, great. But you're supposedly on a top team. That's I guess up for debate. You you know don't really have to worry thing. too much about funding. And like it feels like so many of his mistakes, whether it be in this car, the 37 car, the 47 car, it feels like a lot of it is self-inflicted. Which, to me, screams two things. It screams, A, you don't make good decisions. But on the contrary, B, it can be solved. Because, you know, if you just get somebody to calm down and react to things a little bit differently, I feel like a lot of those situations play out different. And I want to see that for Ryan Priest. I'm, you know, I'm from New York. I don't think that counts as New England, in my opinion. But it's close enough. And, you know, if you go around here, especially to the local tracks, there's always a really big scene of fans who really like the guy. Um... To this day, so literally no other time in my life have I met a racing fan in public. Like, this is the only time, just in general life. And he was like, yeah, I'm a huge Ryan Priest fan, just because he loves the Modifieds. The, the fact that the only, like, known NASCAR fan to talk to, or known racing fan to talk to me about it picked Ryan Priest is pretty telling of the pull he has up here. Um, and I want to see that kind of spread nationally. I want to see him to eventually be taken over NASCAR. Not like to the sense of like, oh, I'm going to win championships and so on. But, you know, when we go to Martinsville, I want him to be in the conversation. When we go to Richmond, I want him to be in the conversation. Um, and if he can put it together elsewhere too, great. But I at least need to start seeing something where his bread and butter is, which will be short track racing. What do you think? Yeah, he's just been around for so long and we're, we're still waiting on that, that spark that everyone keeps saying is there. I, I, I hope I hope we do see it, but... If, if if he's still going to be in the forty one car indefinitely, it's he's 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 got a lot stacked against him. Not not only his driving ability, having to be, hone that in, but when you're driving for Stuart Haas, you're 
you're it's an uphill battle. I'm kind of surprised they didn't try replacing him like covertly without telling Tony because he's not paying attention anyway. <laughs> like Tony yeah. just gets to Daytona, he's like, "That's so weird," and they're like, "What? Like, why does it say Cole Custer's name on this again?" <laughs> like, oh I don't know. I, I especially like, I, and it hurts me particularly because I like Cole Custer and think he's a good driver, and I'd rather him be in the car probably. But if you're gonna be in the car anyway, I do something, please. Just show me some signs of life. Not that Cole's doing any better, because especially in 2022, man, was he not doing any better. But please, like, something. I want to see any improvement. Any improvement is good enough for me. Um, moving on. We're going to talk about a uh, very, very unpopular driver last year, whether it's deservedly so or not. John Hunter Nemechek. Um, I think John Hunter Nemechek has kind of calmed down as a driver. Similarly to kind of what I was talking about before um, with, like, decision-making and so on. He's somebody who used to make an abundance of mistakes. Um, and an, even if it wasn't a mistake, he would just make bad decisions sometimes. I'll never forget the 2016 Canadian Tire race. Like, did he win the race? Sure, but I don't think his public image has ever recovered fully from that, even though it's been almost a decade now. Like, right. and in other things, like, he'll just end up in silly accidents. I c- can't recall exactly the circumstances, but I know he was involved in a lot of skirmishes in Portland this past season, um, which, like, okay, some of that's just because Portland's a little bit of a chaotic, uh, chaotic track. But, like... I don't know. This is somebody with so much raw speed, and I feel like he's one of those guys that once he finally hones it in, he'll be a really solid pick. I really like this as a signing for Toyota and Legacy Motor Club. Well, not Toyota because he's already there, but Legacy Motor Club because, um, man, oh, man, it could not get any worse, right? Like every, I'm all for everything they've done this year to kind of help improve the team, at least on paper. Um, now it's about going out on track and actually doing something with it, right? If he's out there running like Noah was and wrecking every week, and you know if he's not wrecking, he's 28th. I don't want to see that. He should not be running that bad. Neither should Eric Jones. I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna do a two for one here because it's kind of similar predictions. I want to see them, you know, just be top 15. And I feel like you know some people might hear that and be like, "Wow, that's a really low bar," and it is, but for a good reason because like they were struggling a lot last year. The back half they definitely saw some improvement. And I've seen a lot of people say, like, oh, you know, it's just a shame that team got so much better after Noah Gragson left. But there might be some correlation there. Maybe it just got better because yeah. he was gone. Um, the old addition by subtraction method. But I just want to see them build some consistency. I want to see those two cars running okay. I don't want to see Jimmy running 38th every time he shows up. Like, just give me something. The bar is so low. It legitimately could not be worse. They couldn't do worse if they tried with this lineup because – John Hunter's good. Eric Jones is good. Jimmy Johnson, in my opinion, is the best driver of all time. He might be washed up, but, you know, the pinnacle of his career is still the highest anyone's ever been. So I feel like he should be competing for something more than what he's been. Maybe that's unfair of me to ask for him at this point in his career. Who knows? Um, but that's kind of where I stand on that. Uh, since I talked about those other guys, what, what do you think about Legacy as a whole? I think it's all going to boil down to how well they adapt with Toyota this first year. It could... It could... I hope it's like a Gibbs situation where it's it's success right from the get-go and they can be a, a second competitive Toyota team because having it just be Gibbs for the last, what, going on 10 years now, ever since MWR, like it's, it's no wonder that nobody wants to drive for Toyota because there's nowhere to go. And now that there is a few new teams to go to, I really hope Toyota puts all their – effort into these teams i agree and i feel like it's a realistic thing to ask i feel like toyota hasn't given us any um indication that at least at the cup level they're not going to really worry about their teams 
Um, obviously, you know, say what you will about Toyota racing development. Maybe some of their young guys kind of get pushed through the system a little too quick and then suffer as a result. But I don't think anything like that would necessarily play out for this as a team. Um, legacy, like I said, couldn't be much worse. Here's hoping it improves. Um, next up, Tyler Reddick. Um, for those who don't know, this is the driver I support the most in the series. So I'm going to be incredibly biased and say guaranteed championship, locked up. Uh, don't even bother showing up if you're one of the other 39 cars. But <laughs> um, on a more serious note, you know, I want to see a little bit of a return to form in the sense of like, how do I put this? So last year when he would win races, it would feel like he was like in like third or second the whole time. And then maybe he'd put it all together. Whereas, like, I know this is not a big sample size, I get it, and it was two tracks, but when he was winning at the road courses in uh, the eight car, I feel like those two races, he would just, like, have stomped them out. I don't think I've seen that kind of a dominant performance in the 45 yet. Not to say that he can't, and obviously, you know, he's run well and won and stuff, so I'm, you know, I'm not worried about him or anything, but I do need to see, like, just one week where he just cooks everybody. Like, he's the guy. He's the fastest in practice. He's, you know, at least top five in qualifying. And then maybe wins a stage, wins the race. I need to see that happen. Because right now, he's not really panning out how a lot of people thought. And maybe that's this, Maybe that's me being harsh because the man has had playoff success. He's won races, like I said. But this is somebody who, and I'm going to take the bias glasses off. I'm going to talk about what other people's opinions were. This is somebody who people thought could compete for titles in the Cup Series. And right now, he's just not at that level. I want to see him make some strides towards that. And, you know, I feel like a really dominant win would help. I also feel like just a level of consistency for, like, a five- or six-week strength or a stretch would actually go a really long way, where he's just consistently third, consistently fourth. I feel like this past year, he'd have a really good run, and then he'd get cooked, or he'd wreck somebody. Like, I remember, um, was it Michigan? That one week, he just wiped out Austin Dillon for, like, no reason. Like, what are you doing that yeah. for? Like... I just want to see the the ship get pointed in the right direction. I don't want to see us reach our destination necessarily. Like that'd be cool. Let's you know win a championship if we can. But um, I don't know. I could definitely see him getting one of those dominating wins that Toyota seems to get at a mile and a half every year. Like it was the forty. Was it the forty five when Bubba was in it when he won in it? Yes, it was because I remember all yeah. the boomers were like, "Oh, you only won because it's Kurt's car." Like that right, makes any sense the, at all. The same car, but anyway. Uh, but no, I I feel like he he'll be the, the driver of the Toyota car that dominates one of those races this year for sure. Well, it's not like Truex is in the running anymore, so we got a few open opportunities. <laughs> I'll never forgive him for that one Coke Six Hundred that he just cooked everybody. That was tough. Um, next up, uh, we have Mister Daytona Five Hundred himself, at least for another month or so. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um, I'll address the elephant in the room. This guy is not good, right? I'm sorry. Be mad at me if you want to be mad at me. It's okay. Somebody has to be wrong. Um, <laughs> but man, oh man. This guy has did okay in Xfinity for a little while. After being abysmal, mind you, he was horrendous in 2010. I feel like that kind of got erased from his record, which like, okay, it's a long time ago and he was young. I get it. We've all been there. We've all made mistakes. But man, it was bad. It was like Noah Gregson 42 car bad. Um... And then on top of that, he's been in the Cup Series for a decade now. He's got a couple, you know, wins, one of which is the Daytona 500, which is awesome. Congrats. Happy for him. But you can't just be a super speedway guy and then be trash everywhere else. Like, and sorry, Mike, it's going to hit home. But you can't be Michael Waltrip because, man, oh, man, like, you can't be in the series this long and do so little. 
You know, your his only ones are at Talladega and Daytona. And even then, like it besides this past 500, they were all within like a 2-year span where they really had their program at uh the play tracks figured out. I need something. I just, you know, make the playoffs on, you know, merit, not on a lucky win. Uh I feel like if you could just be like that 16th guy that squeaks in, I feel like that's, you know, within the realm of possibility. I don't think Scott speed in the field. That'll that'll get the fire back in his belly. <laughs> Am I forgetting something? Does he beef with Scott Speed? Isn't that who he like crashed with for the ARCA championship? Oh, I speaking of things erased from records, that also needs to get brought up briefly. That is the silliest race there's ever been, and I agree with you. Maybe that is what it takes. Maybe because Scott Speed is not above intent wrecking people, whether it be iRacing or real life. So oh. let's let's see it through. Let's make it happen. Call it a social experiment. You know, Project Ninety One. He's an F one driver after all. Put him in the car. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Um, all right. Next up, to a man that, if anybody at this point has a strong opinion of, I question them. Uh, Alex Bowman. Uh, he broke his back. Um, this is, yeah. he might be one of the most boring people on the face of the planet. It actually, that's harsh. Because he, he seems like he's got, like, that goofy, like, early 2010s internet personality where, like, they're going to like talk about bacon a lot. <laughs> like That kind of embodies who he is, I feel like. Um, and it just it, it feels like time has passed him by, both in the sense of like a racing career and in the sense of um, just like relevance. He's not old or anything, and he's still okay. But, like, oh, man, he has just been kind of taking up a seat. Mean? Is it too mean to say Phoenix 2017 was peak? No, I'd say that's accurate. He's won races since then, obviously. He won Chicago. I'm sure he's as won. As hype around a driver. Like, oh, look at this guy. He's like Dale, but better. I don't I don't recall seeing as much hype after that race. Like, I, th- I know a lot of people were impressed, myself included, because that, you know, really good performance. He should be happy with that. But I don't know. Like, it, it, that definitely felt like a more like, oh, he's just running well situation. Not like, oh, this guy's going to crush us. Way. Um, do you have anything else to add on that? Because <laughs> there's not much to talk about for me. This guy's been 25th weekly. So. Yeah. Ally has his ally supports him. Unfair, you know. I feel like that at the very least, on the public level, maybe this isn't the case behind the scenes as it is with most companies. But at least publicly, they try to have the image of like, oh, you know, we're so professional. We do this, we do that. We like good people, and that's definitely the persona that Alex gives off. I don't know him well enough to really have a good opinion. Obviously, I've never met the man, but based on what I do know, seems like a good enough guy. And you know, I'm not gonna root against him, but like, he's just kind of there. Um. Next up, we have Justin Haley, who we kind of talked about a little bit earlier. I, honestly, it's just a wait and see for me. I don't have anything really to say. This is a guy who, you know, he's good at super speedways, could easily run well. That, when we talk about super speedway guys that maybe don't have the results, but we all know we're good. In Cup, he's kind of just been hanging out. He had that one lightning win, which, you know, I feel like it would be better if we just didn't acknowledge that. But you take that out of the equation, and, you know, he doesn't have a lot of good Cup results on these tracks, but he gets it. He understands it. Very, very well. If I was in the Cup Series and I saw his car near me and it's a Daytona or a Talladega, I'm absolutely working with him because we're going to find our way to the front. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like watching him on colleague just do that. It reminded me of DEI, but if they actually had three cars. Just <laughs> they, 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 were, they knew what they were doing. They were acting as one unit. And just watching that and then pull it off, except for that time where they botched it and wrecked each other. But 
And they all, like at Talladega, I remember when they all came together hugging everyone. Their their height added up to like six foot two combined. <laughs> it was adorable. It was adorable. Yeah, that, um, I feel like obviously maybe he got carried a little bit by being in such a great team dynamic, dynamic pardon me, for all that. But, I mean, you put him by himself. This is a guy who undeniably knows how to put himself in good situations. Um, seems like more often than not, he's around at the end of these races, which is, you know, most of the battle, quite frankly. Um, aside from the super speedways, though, your guess is as good as mine. It's kind of the same as the 15. They could easily run okay. They could easily run terrible. It all depends on what kind of year they want to have, in my opinion. Um, next up, we have the guy that gets us, uh, Ty Gibbs. Um, I honestly think Ty is going to have a much better year. I don't think he's going to like light the world on fire necessarily, but this is a guy who, you know, he went through something very, very, very tragic and unfortunate at the end of 2022, right? And at least, you know, subtly, that's got to put a bit of a mental block on you. It's hard to go out there, do the thing you love when it's so closely associated with something so tragic for you, you know, especially like he probably, not only that, but at this point, he probably feels some of the pressure of like, oh, like eventually this team is going to need to run through me. You know, which is a point that doesn't really ever get discussed. Like, this is a very, very young man under a ton of pressure, you know. And I, he, I'm not going to talk about the Xfinity stuff. I'm not going to talk about, you know, Rex he may or may not have caused or whatever. You know, he's a young guy. These things are bound to happen. And he hasn't been too, you know, poorly behaved this past year, let's say. Um, I'm going to I'm a-okay with giving him a chance to prove himself. Um, I'm a-okay with giving him all the time he needs to get past all that. If that is actually what's going on, I don't want to speculate. But, I don't know. I, I just feel like there's a lot of things he could improve on, and I think he will. I, you know, and when it comes to raw talent and just being fast on the racetrack, I don't think anybody argues against him. I know there was a lot of talk about, like, oh, well, yeah, in Arca and even in Xfinity, his car was leaps and bounds better than everybody. Okay, sure. But think of how many other people find themselves in that situation and do nothing. <laughs> like, there's a big even sample in, size of those guys. Even in Cup last year, he slowly got better all throughout the year to where he was finishing top tens consistently and. You know, it was just quiet, but when they would show all the people crossing the line, he would be on the pictures. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like whenever they had those uh, stage end, you know, screenshots, he'd be there for sure. I completely can visualize what you're talking about. Um, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. I feel like realistically, he, he probably should make the playoffs. Um, maybe not do anything in there. Maybe he's around a 16 elimination, but... It's time he gets there, you know? Like, he's on that early... You talk about the William Byron kind of career path. I feel like he could easily be on a similar kind of stretch um, where, like, you know, maybe it takes a few years to really get comfortable in the cup where you can't just bully people because, you know, in cup they'll actually do something about it. But I don't know. We'll see. I feel like I believe in him. I feel like he, at the very least, should get a few more years, like two years to kind of really figure it out. Um, like I said before, I think every cup driver, year three and four, kind of really starts putting it together. Probably more year three than four. But nonetheless, I'd give him some time. This is year two. I've already seen people on Twitter calling him a bust because he's not performing like he did in Xfinity. If you're really saying that, one of two things is true. Either your black flags matter or you don't know what's going on. So, Or both, actually, really, when I think about it. But that's another conversation for another day. Um, moving on. <laughs> David Reagan. Uh, we talked about him kind of at length earlier because we kind of wanted to bully his uh, 2018 race at Daytona. Right. But, um, you know, realistically... It, it, I feel like this is ninth. This is ninth place in Daytona right now. Like, there's nobody taking it from him. Like, you know how Travis Pastrana was just kind of hanging out at the end of last year's 500. Yeah. I feel like he's this year's Travis. He'll be he'll be there. He might cause the wreck on the last lap, 
That's it. That's the only time you're hearing of him. But he'll get through it, and, and he'll get an interview at the end of the race. I just want to thank my team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, all right, and from one waste of the time to another, uh, Anthony Alfredo, oh, yes. why is this guy here? Why did they not just bring Austin Hill back? Like, I, I don't like Austin Hill as, like, a pu- human being or a driver, really, but he's leaps and bounds better than Anthony. This is literally the best track type for him. It feels like such a layup. Why would you bother risking it? And maybe he's bringing a lot more funding. And sure, okay, fine. You're Beard Oil Racing. You race four times, maybe six. I don't. I remember if they race Atlanta actually, but <laughs> at most six times a year. Why on earth do you need a pay driver? Where where else is his money going? You know, the rent for your shop that the car sits in all year. Like, <laughs> come on, man. I d- yeah, that was a choice. I just don't get it, and I, it, I maybe I'm wrong. I feel like they were obviously well, they must be affiliated with RCR. Why on earth would they let this happen? Like you could just use this as a third car, basically, and they let it go to this guy who has shown no potential anywhere. In 25 years, he's going to be known for two things: dude wipes and flipping at Kansas, and nothing else. Um, if he gets a top 20, I'd be shocked, um, <laughs> and I feel like that's real yeah. mean. But like realistically do we expect anything else like this is a guy who just is there everywhere it doesn't matter what series you could put him in arca i guarantee you he's finishing 13th in a 14 car field like he's gonna find a way i'm I'm picturing the 62 hitting the inside wall right before pit road in the 500 during a wreck just the absolutely nefarious angle (laughs) just hits it like the worst spot I don't mean I don't mean some like <laughs> in the highlight reel for thirty years type wreck. Just just one of those where there's a there's a wreck off of four. People start sliding. He slides into the wall, snaps the toe, like races over. Oh, okay, I thought you meant he's gonna pull the Randy Lajoy. You just hit the top of the wall down there. <laughs> no, no, he's not doing the Miguel Poluto. Just flooring it towards the wall <laughs> as fast as you can. Uh, Miguel Poluto really said, "Damn, I'm gonna wreck anyway. I might as well look cool." <laughs> um, just like me. We talked about um, Travis Pastrana earlier. Um, I don't think he'll be in this race. I feel like that would be a much bigger story if he was again. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if 2311 brings somebody to the racetrack to put that car in, on field or in the field. Um, obviously, we're mid-January at the time of recording this. There's been no news um, saying they will be there. Um, but maybe they're hyping something up later on. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I can remember early back into the early 2010s, a lot of you know silly season news wouldn't really finalize till about now. Um, that's kind of gone away in the past few years, but I would not be shocked if they just said fuck it and brought another car. Um, no clue who would be in it, so we can't really make predictions, but it wouldn't shock me if they brought somebody. Um, next up, we have Zane Smith in technically a Spire car, but really probably a Trackhouse car. Um, I think he's going to do real good. Like, he, for me, is one of the biggest surprises. Not like that I expected him to be bad, but I also didn't expect him to be good. You know, and I feel like he's at a point now where he's just solid every week. Yeah, he's he's definitely the the Smith that I'm looking for. Like if if I'm looking down the ticker, the first Smith I see, I assume it's Zane. Yeah. Eat shit, Rig. <laughs> no, I was kidding. Um, <laughs> next up, we have um another Spire car, but this one is probably a real Spire car. Uh, Carson Hosevar. Um, we kind of talked about him earlier. I'm not gonna get all into it again, but. Uh, he can do solid if he gets a few top tens, runs well a little bit. Wouldn't shock me. I feel like you know it all depends on what this team does. If they want to compete or if they want to say they're competing. Um, if they compete, he'll do okay because he's really fast. If they don't compete, then he'll probably be thirtieth and he'll probably get a lot of flack. Even though at that point it wouldn't be his fault. Um, 
but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt his speed, like his his talent, but whether that team wants to help him with that or that's that's we'll see. Um, next up, we have um, genuinely one of the more popular backmarker. Oh, backmarker feels weird. One of the lesser funded teams. One of the more popular people that drives one of those cars is BJ McLeod. Oh, um, he is confirmed. He'll be racing Daytona. Um, I think he's racing all the super speedways. So actually, we'll see him the first two weeks. Um, for those who are not keeping track, they do not have a charter anymore. So this is not a team you'll see every week. Um, which you know, all due respect, probably a good thing. We'll probably have a more competitive field as a result. But I don't know. He's okay at these tracks. I don't expect anything. <laughs> like, literally, good for you. Hopefully, you make the race. Um, but, you know, I'm rooting for him. Seems like a good guy. Hinged on him. And he won a million dollars. On, like, what was it? Five dollars? The the Rain Daytona one? Oh, yeah. That's that's even more incredible. Like, it was bad enough that, like, it needed to, like, BJ be plus is, a billion. a part of sports betting history. BJ McLeod essentially if you think about it is the small domino and then the big domino is that i'm limited as far as how much i can bet on DraftKings. <laughs> like the moment it hits seven digits they usually stop you now and trust me like for those who follow me on twitter you've seen some absolute disasters play out in the past year um i love making bets like that because it only costs me like 35 cents and then i could potentially be a millionaire when it's all said and done the fact that you bled on that you bet on blaine perkins and then he did that I I was heartbroken after that, not because I lost the bet, because I I mean whatever, you know I expected to, but I was heartbroken for Harrison because I thought I cursed Harrison to another flip. I was like I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but at the same time, definitely a part of betting history. We can never take that from BJ McLeod. At this point, it's hard to argue that's not his legacy because that's kind of the only thing he's done. Um, next up, speaking of somebody with absolutely no legacy, Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> um, Who's this guy? Yeah, two first names. Come on. Uh, anyways, what? You just take away the sun. <laughs> uh, Jimmy is gonna be in a bunch of tracks. Uh, Daytona is one of those tracks this next year. <laughs> it's nighttime. <laughs> um, oh. Jimmy Johnson. Uh, this is a guy who, obviously, seven-time champion. If you don't know who Jimmy Johnson is, why are you listening to the show? We're two hours in. You shouldn't be here if you don't know who Jimmy Johnson is. This is you're. You're a real tryhard if you're here, and we appreciate you for it. But I, I don't know. I don't know what I want from him, quite frankly, because I know I just said earlier I want to see him, you know, perform okay. But I don't know. Is it? Do I think I want him to get top 15s? I think I do. I think that's where he realistically should be. He's not going to win. I'd love it, but he's not going to win. Um, if he can just, like, come home at, like, Charlotte in 12th, I'd love it. It'd be fantastic. But what do you think? If it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be somewhere like Charlotte, where the car somewhat resembles an old Gen 4 in driving style. But <laughs> short tracks, road courses, plate tracks, no. No, he's going he's gonna to be in the back doing something wrong. Yeah, I, I don't remember if this is on his list of tracks he's going to race, but if he's not racing Dover, I feel like that's a huge waste because it's probably fair to say that's his best track. I don't think that's unfair. It might be Charlotte, maybe. That's definitely the second one if it's not Dover. But I don't know. Just, just show me something. Prove to me that you're really Jimmy Johnson and not just a clone. Please. <laughs> like, it, does pull, it, does, it does bring into question, does Jimmy deserve to be in the Hall of Fame or just Chad? Ooh. That's a hot take. Hmm. And I'll, I'll, well, you know what? We'll follow up on that someday. I don't think we have the time to dive into that right now. But... um. And a point to think about, I guess. 
Next up on uh, at least my preliminary entry list, I have the uh, Project 91 car for Trackhouse. Uh, there's no indication this car will be here. It's probably just wishful thinking on my part. But who knows? Maybe for some reason they decided smart to also enter SVG in that race. I don't think that's the case. Um, I'd love to see like somebody really you know random in the car. Like give me a road course ringer for Daytona. Like I'll always respect Boris said for racing Daytona all the time because like he didn't have to. Your Boris said. But he did anyway, and it was really cool. You know, like, pick any road racer from any discipline you want. Pick an IndyCar driver, pick an F1 driver, pick an IMSA driver. I don't care. Just put somebody interesting in that car, please. Make the duels matter. Because, man, is it depressing when there's, like, 41 cars for 40 spots in Daytona. You know, I feel like, at this point, the charter system has proven itself. But, like, Uh, man. I miss the luster of the duels. Coming home from school that that Thursday, already missed the first one. But that's okay, because your driver's in the second one. Yeah, and you were an MWR fan. That was like your Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. um, but it was yeah, all for that. Pretty much. I mean, you weren't going to see him on Sunday. So. <laughs> um, nonetheless, uh, I feel like he definitely – or who are we talking about even? I lost my entire train of thought. I feel like they should definitely put somebody in that car. Um, I don't even care if it's Pitbull himself. Um, just put somebody in the 91, please. Bring it to the track. Make the duels matter because it's been awful the past few years. They should just put – Remember the ones to go fast. Ricky Bobby story. They should just put – the dual races for Xfinity, and I realize that's incredibly easier said than done, but like it would matter in Xfinity because in Xfinity, like we're probably gonna have at the very minimum like forty six teams show up, and there's thirty eight spots. That's a pretty interesting, compelling duel if you ask me, but I suppose we'll have to wait and see. Um, and then rounding out to our last driver of my entry list, maybe we'll have a few pop up before Daytona, but I have Daniel Suarez in the ninety nine car rounding out my list, obviously. Uh, I think he needs to get, like, back into the form he was in 2022 in the sense of, like, I don't need him to win necessarily, and I really don't need him to do anything in the playoffs, but I need you to look like you drive for track house racing in the sense of, like, he was just out there cooling the whole year, like, consistently 11th or doing something dumb. The thing at Darlington was really dumb. <laughs> like, that was one of the silliest things anyone did last year. Um, And to be fair, he doesn't really have a history of that kind of stuff, but you got to really see what the situation is if you're Daniel Suarez right now, right? So you've been at Gibbs. Didn't work out. Went to Stuart House Racing when they were still Stuart House Racing. Didn't really work out. Almost was out of the sport, essentially, right? You were in a part-time team. You were in, like, four or five races for the 96 team. I don't even think they made Daytona that year. I'm pretty sure they crashed in the duel with Blaney. Like, that was a bad time. That was a very bad time to be Daniel Suarez. Right? You've come out of that the other side in a really good team. This is a team, let's not forget, 2021, it was centered around Daniel Suarez. Going into 2022, before that season started, Ross Chastain was the other driver. Now he's the driver. And I feel like maybe that rattled Daniel Suarez a little bit once the writing was on the wall. But like, I, he needs to believe in himself, first and foremost, and he needs to be a little more consistent. Because when he's both of those things, he's very good. He's a very capable driver who can easily bring home some top tens. Um, and obviously the team is more than capable, but we just need to make those potentials realities is really what I, I see. I see him winning a road course this year for sure. I don't know. I see like I know his win is on a road course, so it's that's a very easy conclusion to draw. But I always feel like his strong suit was always like tracks like Las Vegas. Like I feel like at those kind of places, he's always like in the top five, maybe like sixth or seventh. And then, you know, by the end of the race, maybe it shakes out. He finishes like 12th, but... I feel like those kind of, like, cookie-cutter, run-of-the-mill intermediates, he's always pretty strong at those. Um, he's never, like, the fastest guy, but I feel like, you know, 
As far as drivers are concerned, he's kind of like this generation's Jamie McMurray in a weird way. Because I don't know, I assume at this point somebody's talked about the Jamie McMurray line with you. For those who don't know, a lot of people consider Jamie McMurray to be like the cutoff. Like if you're better than Jamie McMurray, you're good. But if you're not better than Jamie McMurray, you're not good. And I feel like out of this crop of drivers, the ones we have now, I can't help but think he's the you know the guy. Yeah. But that rounds out our 2024 preliminary entry list. There might be more additions or subtractions, I guess, uh, before then. I suppose we'll have to see. I don't control time, nor do I see the future, so I have no way of knowing that. Um, I do want to talk about... Sometimes. Oh, we... we per, or How do we word this? We say premonitions, but like not knowingly. <laughs> you know, like It's like if you had a time machine, but only other people could use it. You just owned it. <laughs> like, yeah. Um... The one other thing, <laughs> um, one thing we should definitely talk about, at least in a little bit, is the schedule. Um, because there's one thing that, for some reason, I forgot completely until I just looked it up a few weeks ago. Atlanta's the second race now. Like, by the time Atlanta's over with, there's going to be pandemonium. Especially if there's two silly winners and, like, the guys that you expect to be good in the points are, like, bad. Like, Las Vegas on the first, like, six weeks after that could be a really interesting part of the season. Because, like we mentioned, Daytona, Daytona. We all know what that is. We've had Trevor Bain, Michael McDowell, you name it. A lot of guys can win that race. Anybody really can win that race if things play out right. We have Atlanta, which, you know, as far as super speedways are concerned, seems a bit more skill-based, at least to me. I know it's not an apples-to-apples, so I don't want to hear people like, oh, there's nothing like that. But the way that track actually races is a little reminiscent of Bumpy Daytona. Not like at the very end of its life where, like, the track was falling apart, but maybe like 2005, 2004. Um, I really like the race in there personally, even in 2022 when people were like, you know, sending the track death threats and stuff. I was never one of those people. I always thought the track was pretty cool. Um, just cause there's nothing else like it. You know, it's like, how do I describe this? What they wanted the 550 package to be is what they got with Atlanta right now. <laughs> like, yeah. but, but in a good way, like it's genuinely not bad, nor would the 550 package be if it actually did what it was designed to do. It just doesn't cause they didn't do it right. But I think Atlanta has been a good time. Um, but if we leave that race and it's like the first two winners are Harrison Burton and Todd Gilliland and you're headed to Las Vegas, I can't imagine that's a very settling feeling. If you're somebody like, I don't know, anybody we just named that like wants to get in on points, like Michael McDowell, Daniel Suarez, Alex Bowman. Like if you're one of those guys, like I'm sweating at that point. And I feel like maybe that added pressure so early in the season could lead to a really interesting spring. Because like right after that, you know, we have the West Coast Swing, which or I don't even know if you call it that anymore because there's just two races now. But you have uh, the two West Coast tracks, which are pretty run-of-the-mill, Barrett Bones, especially Phoenix. Nothing ever happens there. You have Bristol, which is chaos, even the Spring Bristol race. The only reason people don't like the Spring Bristol race uh, when it was on the concrete is just because it rains every year. Here's hoping it doesn't do that this time uh, for everyone's sake. So hopefully we keep the other Bristol event. Um, and then, you know, the fans don't get rained on and so on. I forgot Atlanta was the second race. Man, Speed Weeks is back. Me too. And that, that's the craziest thing is I feel like this sets us up for such an interesting spring. Like, Bristol, Coda, we're going to skip Richmond, we're going to pretend it doesn't exist. Martinsville, <laughs> like, there's a lot of, like, opportunity for guys, like, on the cusp of making the playoffs or people that need to make that last leap to go get a win at these tracks, you know? And with some of the more normal tracks like Vegas in there, you're probably going to have, you know, your Gibbs cars, your Hendrick cars win in that span, too. So, by the time Talladega rolls around, who knows? Like, the, the fields could look like anything. Like, you could have three winners, you could have seven winners. This car is kind of notorious for having a lot of parity, so I guess we'll have to wait and see.
it's going to be another chaotic season like 2022 was, I feel like. We're going to get a lot of different random winners, especially with these newer teams hiring all these different guys, like with Spire and all them. We're going to see a lot of weird things. So um, let me put you on the spot then real quick. Who is the most unsuspecting winner this year? Just give me a name. Anybody. Todd Golan. Okay, that's a good pick. Um, I was having him up earlier, but I don't want to steal your answer. So, let me see. You know what? Let's go big. Let's go big. We're going to have the 51 car and Justin Haley win. But it's going to be because of rain, and it's going to be at Watkins Glen. Hmm. Actually, wait, no, that wouldn't work. It would be rain, but it would be Michigan or something. I don't know. No, it would be flooding there, and then they cancel it. Flooding? I don't know. I don't want to say that because we have too much power, and they might flood then. Um, no, that's what, that's August, right? Yeah, hurricane season. Yeah, that would be prime time for that kind of thing. Even though I, I somebody, I went to Watkins Glen last year, and granted, I've been there before, but I was like five, so I don't remember that very well. Um, I went up there again this past summer. Man, the hills there are insane. I saw the S's like for the first time. I could not believe how steep they are in person. Like everybody talks about, like you know, the banking at like Daytona and Talladega. Go stand at the bottom of the S's and just look up. <laughs> like it's crazy. It's such a unique experience. Um, turn one would be underwater first for sure. Guaranteed. Turn one or like maybe the carousel. That'd be it. The Finger Lake's going to become the Fanger Lakes. <laughs> uh, shout out uh, Lake Seneca, named after Arca legend Mike Seneca. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, anyways, thank you, Mike, uh, for your time. I think I, everybody here appreciates your thoughts on the 2024 Cup season. Uh, we have to wait and see how it goes. I'm sure we'll be watching a lot of the races together ourselves. Um, but here's to another year. We made it. I know. Let's, let's, let's do it. Let's, another good year of... Uh... Interesting comings and goings. All right, buddy. Well, thank you for your time.